This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! Spoiler alert! What Did You Watch This Week is a candid discussion about recent movies and TV shows, and it may contain spoilers if you haven't watched them yet. Listen at your own risk. everyone and welcome to episode 29 of what did you watch this week my name is mike my name as always is john i mean it has been for like 40 years right uh 41 now so yeah 41 yes yeah, sorry i mean so yeah the, as always it's like when people talk and they go honestly i can't believe i did that why would you lie about it exactly it's story now and i'm I, never gonna trust you again unless you preface everything with the word honestly well, when, yeah, exactly. When someone prefaces their sentence with honestly, I tend to believe maybe they're not being honest. <laughs> or they had some intention of lying to me at some point, right. gave yeah, me some, they, some real thought, and then we're like, no, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you for now. I'm going to tell the truth about this story. I will not embellish it at all. But next time, just so you know, you've now been warned that you have to watch out for me. Exactly. I'm a mistrustful person. Uh so, John. Yes, Michael. Did you watch a lot of stuff this week like oh I did? My God, I watched so much stuff, it's coming out my eyes. I know. And last week we recorded early. We recorded on a Friday. Yep. And so we had to include, like, the Friday night and weekend shows we got to add on this week. Yes. And then, like, I hadn't gotten around to watching Blacklist by the time we recorded last Friday, so we got two of those episodes. Mm hmm. And for those wondering, we're recording on Monday this week. That's right. Because I had to work a double yesterday. But. And I'm wrestling on Friday. Yeah. But we will not be reviewing any of the Sunday night shows. We, we both were kind of, like, showed up, yes. as it were. And so, unfortunately, that means no review of Westworld yet. Um, within 10 minutes of the show being on, there were already things online that were like, we reviewed the first episode of Westworld, including that scene, which seems to be the new, you know, catch all for shows like Walking Dead and Game of Thrones and Westworld. Yeah. They want you to know that there was one controversial scene that, oh boy, you're not going to believe it until you read about it here. So, and I definitely plan on watching the show. As I just, I. Just didn't have time to get it in before today. Correct. Uh, I will also preface by saying that I have not had a chance to watch any of Luke Cage. However, I hear that it is very good, and I plan on watching that this next week. I have not watched any of Luke Cage either. Okay. Uh, but I plan on, on binging, uh, binging it here. Uh, my day's off, or maybe even tonight I'll throw an episode on at work. Who knows? Excellent. So, yeah. You know what? I'm going to open up with a show I did binge that came on to Netflix uh, last Friday. Does it start with an L-O-N-G? It does start with an L-O-N-G, and I've already watched all of Longmire. Wow. Like, I had it watched pretty damn quick. (laughs) Uh, Great show. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. There was ten episodes this season, right? Yeah. And a lot of them were over an hour long, like an hour, five minutes, hour, four minutes. I think one was an hour, nine minutes. So, I mean, when you most shows are 
like American uh, Horror Story this year, they've been about 40 minutes an episode, actually. So that's actually cut down. And a lot of other shows are 42 to 44 minutes. And then Longmire's going over an hour. I mean, you're literally kind of watching a mini-movie almost every episode with that show. So they, they, they cram a lot in there. Uh, so anyways, like I said, I really like the show. And if this was a show that was on weekly, I would hate them because pretty much every episode ends with like some sort of massive cliffhanger. Luckily, the next episode starts straight away. So you don't have to worry <laughs> about hanging around and waiting to see what nice. it is. <laughs> Um, but basically this year, like, um, I'm not going to break down every single episode because it's just not going to do it. Um, last year's season finale was someone had kicked, like, Longmore was about to bed down his psychiatrist girlfriend. They were getting all kinds of heavy petting going on. Somebody kicked in the door. There was gunshots. This season opens up Longmire's on the floor. He's been shot. He's bleeding. The, his uh, girlfriend's missing. We don't know what's happened to her. And uh, the next couple of episodes is basically him trying to find her. And uh, she was abducted by one of her patients. And I won't go any more than that in there, but she gets rescued, of course. And Longmire recovers. Everyone lives happily ever after. Uh, one of the big backstories this episode was Longmire is being sued civilly for uh, by the estate of – I can't think of the guy's name. It was Gerald McCraney's character. It was his deputy branch's father. I can't think of what his first name was. Barlow. He's being sued by the Barlow estate. So that's the underlining story every episode this season as well. But it's a civil suit? Yeah, he's being sued civilly because he shot, he killed Barlow. And he was found non-criminally negligent for the death. Okay. But his estate is suing him civilly over the death. And uh, because that happens in this day and age, unfortunately. Right, right. But uh, – and we find out that the guy from the estate, you know, doesn't want money. He doesn't want his apology. He wants something else that Longmire has. That Longmire is like, you'll never get this. An alligator tooth necklace or something? <laughs> it's a lot more substantial than that. Okay. So, um, yeah. The, the reason uh, that I asked about it being a civil suit, because you said that it kind of stood out. I mean, as we all know, civil suits are – pretty lackadaisical like a they take forever in court to even get to court and b even if they rule in your favor they're notoriously hard to enforce like it's not like a criminal case where they're like all right we're taking you to jail they could say you owe this man 10 million dollars and you're just like i'm not gonna pay it and they're like "Mm, we wish you would but okay right no you're absolutely right and the thing is this there's no like they don't even go to court. I mean like I'm, like this is the underlining story in this episode, and it does drag this episode this season. It does drag out where it's like Longmore needs to find a lawyer, and then it's all about being deposed. There's like being deposition, deposition, deposition. They don't even go to trial in this season. They don't even go see a judge. Go to court. It's all just deposition. Wow. The people they talk to about it, and it's all mostly character witnesses and this and that and everything. Um, Another big thing is that his daughter, Katie, is taking a job from Jacob, Jacob Nighthorse. Uh, Jacob Nighthorse is the, uh, the Indian who opened the casino, and he runs the casino, and Longmire does not trust him. And Jacob's never given him a reason to trust him. But now that Jacob is actually being sincere and honest and open, and he hired Katie because she's a lawyer to work on the reservation you know, to help out these people and everything, which she does 
through a series of events, build goodwill with them. Um, Longmire is 100% focused that Jacob Nighthorse is doing something wrong, and he's just completely blinded by the fact that he isn't. And so Longmire almost looks paranoid at one point, like it's it's different than his character's ever been seen in the series. He's always been the John Wayne, the, the tough cowboy, cool, calm, and collected type of thing. And in this season, he's showing cracks in his, in his armor. All the stress is getting to him from everything. So it's a really, really good show. I really enjoy it. Um, I hope they do another season. Um, the cliffhanger at the end of this season was not as dramatic as it has been the last several seasons. It sort of left like, if we find out what happened, okay. If we don't, okay. You know what I mean? I got you. Uh, however, one thing was pointed out to me. Point, not pointed out to me, but pointed out in this episode that I would never noticed before. There's this guy, he's pretty much a D-bag. And he's just kind of like crap talking Longmire. And then he looks down and he goes, so you fancy yourself a cowboy, don't you? And he, like, this is what the guy's saying to Longmire. And I always look, it's like a modern day Western. I always looked at it that way. Like he was a Wild West sheriff type of thing. He looks down and he goes, is that your police vehicle? You drive a Bronco? Oh my God, that's hilarious. Your police vehicle's a Bronco. You actually drive a horse. And I'm just like, I never realized that, but it's true apparently. <laughs> So nice, I don't a little tongue in cheek. Yeah, I found it funny. I don't know if that was like something planned out from the beginning or whatever, and they just like kind of never say anything about it. But good show on a gone. Uh, good show. Uh, all the episodes are up on Netflix from every season to date. Go watch it. All right. It's yeah, a, it's a good solid sell, I'd say. Yeah, I, I I definitely enjoy the show, so I definitely give it a good push. Good. Well, I'd like to jump in here because the first thing in my notes was, as you had mentioned, you know, we kind of had to go back in time and watch stuff from the past Friday. And as a result, that got me watching the back-to-back premiere episodes of Van Helsing on Mm Sci-Fi. And then we've got one episode this season. So I'd like to just talk about the three episodes that we've had so far. I, I too, would like to talk about those. Okay. Um if I had to give my elevator speech, you know, my, my little sell it to me in one sentence, I'd say don't watch this show. Ditto. Okay. Okay. I, I, like- I, I tend to be a bit more critical. Anybody who's ever listened to this show knows that I, I'm the more critical one out of us. And that happens in a lot of, like, I'll talk to other friends and stuff and be like, boy, I just didn't like this. And sometimes they're like, dude, you got to give it a chance or, you know, you got to lighten up. I thought this show and especially right from the get-go, was just hot garbage. Yeah, it's... Okay, it's called Van Helsing. What is the first thing that comes to mind, John, when you hear the name Van Helsing? Um, Hugh Jackman. Okay, no. (laughs) Yes, it is. That is the first thing that comes to mind when I hear Van Helsing. Okay, when you hear Van Helsing, historically, what is it you think of? You think of the Middle or the Dark Ages, vampire hunter, guy with a crossbow, you know, stakes. That's the big thing that comes to mind for me, vampire hunter. He is the guy that hunted down Dracula. Yeah. No matter what incarnation of a movie Dracula or Van Helsing, he is a vampire hunter. Whether he's a sexy young guy or he's an old man or or whatever. Exactly. It doesn't matter. He hunts vampires. Yep. Even in the movie Sundown, A Vampire Retreat, Bruce Campbell plays a relative of Van Helsing. He's still a vampire hunter. Yep. 
and Monster Squad. Yep. And Helsing is a vampire hunter. But in this show, in this off, movie, first off, they're not show, vampires. Yeah, we haven't even heard the last name Helsing. Her name is Vanessa. No. Which, yes. Which you could be okay. You'd be like, oh, cool. You know, it's it's a twist on it. You know, it's like they got that Winona Earp on TV right now. I hear that's a good show. Oh, but, I've been one. Check that out. I forgot all about that. Yeah, I heard that it's good. But this one, her name is Vanessa. Now, my okay, so here's where my problems start with this show. Okay? It's in the order of storytelling. So we open on a, a title screen that tells us that, you know, it's 2019, Three years after, quote-unquote, the rising began, civilization has fallen and vampires rule the streets. Now, it says that in the beginning, but we soon learn that these are, quote-unquote, vampires. These are they're what people call vampires for the simple fact that they drink blood. Yeah, I would call it more like a, a rage virus. Yep, yep, where they drink blood for sustenance and get affected yeah. by uh, sunlight. So, we we find... A morgue, we see a woman's body laying on a gurney, and we see these three rage-filled guys come busting in the door and go, there she is, get her. And they run in, and one of them bites her neck and then starts convulsing and choking and, and falls on the floor. Then they do the traditional TV thing where they say, you know, 36 hours earlier, so that we get the backstory of how these guys came to be sucking on this woman's neck. This is my first note. The Rising has one of those stupid 36-hour earlier starts. Yep. But then it gets worse. I, I'm not even, like, it. I, I'll come back to the first episode, but the second episode starts off and essentially goes for three years earlier when The Rising began. So they give us this first episode where we get to see this woman getting bitten. Then we go 36 hours ago so that we can see why she was bitten. And then they're like, oh, but let's tell us, let, let's tell you what happened three years ago. But we'll wait till the second episode for that. Good storytelling it is not a jumble. It doesn't have to be like flashbacks, flash forwards, flash sideways. Tell us what happened in the beginning. You know, they could have had episode two be episode one and it would have made more sense because we would have seen before the rising, we would have seen, you know, who she was as a person, why she cares about her daughter, why she wants to get back to her daughter. And then they could have jumped forward in time three years. I would have been much happier with that. I, I would have thought that was a much better way to tell the story. But instead, they're like, nah, we're going to tell it to you however we want to. And then when you look at it, the story they're telling is kind of garbage. So like, far it is. Like, we've got, we've got three episodes under our belt. They've pulled out every kind of generic stereotype that they could possibly do. You know, a, a group of survivors gets into the shelter, and there's the one gruff army guy who's been protecting the one doctor who, you know, can probably save the world except for she really can't because you know she was literally just a doctor you know she wasn't like doing cutting edge research or anything she was just a doctor they, and, and I took in my notes they made a mistake right off because when the when the army guy and the other army guys come back and they check in with him they're like what about the doc and and he says that the doc was bit. Okay, he says the doc got bit because she went to check and see if you guys had locked the door up properly behind yourselves. I told her she didn't have to, but she wanted to. Then, in the flashback of what happened, 
the the entire regiment of army guys is like, we're going out on the streets. Doc, you lock this door behind us. Make sure it's locked. And she's like, okay. And she walks down with them. They step out on the streets, and a, a vampire gets in and bites her right there. So these guys would have known that that's what happened. They would have known that they were the cause of her getting bitten. So the entire backstory was wrong. Yeah, I um, I don't have a lot of positive notes about this show m- myself. I uh, I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't I don't have a whole lot of positive notes about this show myself. I mean, like, like to me, okay, so. Okay, there's a line in there that sums it up for me that I really don't like. Okay. It's when, I don't even know his name, it's the head gruff marine guy that guarded her for three years and let that guy, like wouldn't let that guy go back out for his wife and then shot her in the head because she'd be better off, and on and on and on and on, right? Yeah. Again, every stereotype. Oh, so many, so many. It's when he's like, he's going to head out to go get the parts. For, for the generator. For the generator, and he says, if I don't come back, it was nice looking at your naked body the last three years. And what? I'm like, what? What? Like that? <laughs> A, she wasn't naked. No, she had clothes on, so that means he creepily undressed her. Yep. Like what? Like he had to change her clothes because she was a slab? She was literally a slab of meat that never decomposed over three years. Right, exactly. And like, what else did he do to her that she wasn't looking? You know, got you lonely know, in there. Hey, apparently, according to Kill Bill, you can get preg- you can impregnate a comatose person. <sighs> so then they try to make us care because essentially it seems that if a vampire bites her then they turn back to a normal person and they have all their memories and they're like, wow, I remember being a vampire and that sucked and I don't want to be a vampire anymore. To the point where, like, the guy that changes back then goes out and threatens other vampires. (laughs) He's, like, slashing up his arm. This was the only realistic part for me. The guy's got a scalpel and he's, like, drawing these big slashes on his arm and he's looking at these six or seven vampires that were foolishly trying to beat down the door because they were waiting outside the hospital just in case those lights happened to go out, which, moon they did so he's slashing his arm up with a scalpel and he's going you remember me you remember me i was one of you and then i bit her and she changed me look and she could change you too she'll change you back yeah you better run and they're all just like yeah we're out of here yeah Yeah. we we don't want to be human again they're pretty much like peace out And, and then the next scene he's in there stitching himself up from the stupid self-inflicted wounds on his arm yeah. That was the only realistic part. But then it turns out that she, too, can bite somebody on the neck. Oh, dude, yeah. You know what? I think we're talking about this show too long. We have so much <laughs> to talk about. I think we need to sum it up. Event housing sucks pawn scum. Don't bother watching it. Yeah. If you have a different opinion, please let us know. And we'll be glad <laughs> to tell you why you're wrong. I, I, I've got to cancel this on my DVD. I literally was just waiting for somebody else to confirm that I wasn't just yeah. being hypercritical. But... Holy God, it's garbage. It really is garbage. Right, yeah. Like, I don't mean to be rude and cut you off, but I'm looking at my four pages of typed notes, and I'm like, we have so much to talk about. We've talked enough about this stupid show. (laughs) It legitimately is a stupid show. It is. And it's too bad because it's sci-fi. And, you know, sci-fi usually lately has been doing some good stuff. Like, the acting is really bad in it. The writing is horrible. The writing is horrid. It's childish. 
I mean, it's just bad. Yep. Don't watch this show. Don't yep. bother wasting your time. Yeah. Ugh. Don't. Just don't. All right. Just, just don't. Good. I feel better. I feel cleansed. I, I need to talk about something awesome now because I feel like I just talked about something <laughs> bad. Okay. So last Thursday. Uh-huh. Last Thursday, um, Stars released the first episode of Ash vs. Evil Dead Season 2. Yes, they did. And I sat, I, as soon as I saw that, I fired it up and I watched it, and it is amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. I mean, like, amazing. So, like, and I know this show was on last night, but I watched it last week, so I'm going to talk about it. So if you don't want to hear about it, then skip ahead, like, five minutes, because I'm talking about it right now. You're giving yourself a generous leeway there. I, I would have said ten, but five but, five works. Okay, whatever. I mean, just, just listen. Just listen. So Ruby is Ruby has discovered that she is over her head and can't handle her, her deadite shadow children. Because they're not listening to her now anymore either. They want the book. They want to cause chaos. They don't care what she says. Right. So she realizes that she needs to get Ash back to help her. Mm -hmm. So she breaks the truce, says a spell, and sends Deadites to Ash in Jacksonville. But of course they have to be awesome Deadites. Well, yeah, they're definitely awesome Deadites. (laughs) It can't just be like the bartender or something. No, no, no. It's got to be some girl that was interested in, in, in... and having relations with Ash. As well as her mother. As well as her mother, yes. <laughs> so it is awesome. So there's a big fight scene, of course, and there's the big dramatic where um, they throw the chainsaw to Ash, and he does the big dive where he's flat out, and he goes to lock it into his hand, except she grabs his ankle and messes up, and the chainsaw hits him in the head. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Not blade first. He doesn't have no, no. a gaping head wound. But, of course, eventually he kills everyone, and then because of a song that one of the Deadites sang to him, he knew where to find Ruby. So they headed to Michigan, to Ash's hometown, to go find Ruby and kill her because she broke the deal. She, she broke the truce. Right. And so we find out that in Ash's hometown, they sing a song about calling him Ashy Slashy because essentially they you know, killed all his friends. And he admits he did. But because they were evil, but for some reason he's not arrested for it. I don't that part I don't understand. Yeah, that well, that's the thing is it kind of gives you pause to think. Well, you know, all that stuff happened in Evil Dead too. Then it, you know, we jumped in Army of Darkness, but you know, yeah. he essentially murderized all of his friends, his girlfriend, at a cabin in the woods. You know, what is the populace going to think of that? <laughs> like they were possessed yeah. by evil spirits. Nuh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but for whatever reason, he's not arrested. He's just told he should probably leave town, and he, well, he doesn't because he's Ash. Right. Uh, he goes to his house, and we meet his dad, and it was awesome. His dad is played by a Lee Majors, <laughs> and he's every bit the ladies' man that Ash is. Oh my goodness, yes! And they even they even like look alike. They do have a similarity to them. Yep. You know, they do. They even they even look alike. They have this, yeah, and and they act the same. They act the same when Pablo and um, oh crap, what's her name? The girl, 
Yes. What's her name, John? Uh, if you hadn't asked me, I would have remembered. Kelly. Kelly. All right. When Pablo and Kelly, Pablo and Kelly show up, you know, Lee Majors immediately starts hitting on Kelly, telling her, hey, you boy, you guys leave, but you can stick around. And- That's right. <laughs> and he's not even subtle about it. Like, he literally no. is like, do you want to have some dinner with me? <laughs> She's yeah, like, no. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's pretty much awesome. And then he finds Ruby. They battle some of the Shadow Deadites. Um, there's blood everywhere. There's killing. There's there's awesomeness. Yeah, I love that. I, I like when Ash's dad introduced himself. He's like, "I'm Brock, Brock Williams, but you can call me Cock." Yes. <laughs> like what? <laughs> um, now let's Apparently, not forget either that you know at the end of the last season, Pablo had the cover, the face from the Book of the Dead, yes. slapped onto him, and now he's having like visions and such. He was kind of having visions before, but now apparently with the amulet that his uncle gave him, he can apparently, if you know, use it to make himself disappear. Right. The eyes yeah. Of the shadow. <laughs> it, shadow deadites. It's like the uh, the the one ring, but only for the shadow deadites. Right. Right. That and the shadow deadites seem to be a lot tougher. Like Ash just drills one right through the chest with his chainsaw, and it just kind of pushes it off and then heals itself real quick. Yes. Yes. But the dagger. <laughs> the one that he duct taped to the dagger. shotgun. <laughs> yes, the one he duct taped to the shotgun like a bayonet. That can kill the shadow people. Yes. And Ruby. And it obviously it's killed the Deadites who we saw back in the first one. So right. I was listening to the Nerdist podcast live from San Diego Comic Con with Bruce Campbell. Yes. It was actually he was the second half. Have you listened to that? No. Okay. So on there he talks about how they don't have the rights to use any of the footage or anything from Army of Darkness. Uh, because the movie's released by three different studios. They managed to work with the two other studios to get the rights to the first two, but not the third one. So they're okay with that, obviously, going forward. But they talked about how they wanted to get Lee Majors to play his dad because kind of back in the day, you know, in the 70s, Lee Majors had a reputation of being like Ash, you know? Mm -hmm. And so what they did was is they they presented the – to him and said, would you please be, you know, the character in our show and this and that and everything. And apparently Lee Majors was like, he goes, well, I'll uh, check it out and I'll get back to you. And then I guess he watched it and he goes, so uh, I watched that that show, you know, what they call it, they call it binging. Well, I binged it. <laughs> I found it to be humorous. So, yes, <laughs> I will do the show. And that's how Bruce Campbell talks about it. It's great. Um that's how, you know, imitating Lee Majors. And so I was just, when when I, I'm glad I didn't know first. I'm glad I didn't listen to it before I watched the episode because it just kind of made it a little cooler. Yeah. Um, but on the podcast, someone asked him about, you know, the Shatner power slide. Yes. And he asked, one of the audience members asked him, goes like, now the Ash, you know, the, the Shatner power slide that you did in the first episode. He's like, yeah, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Like how, how does ha- Ash do that with, with a, with a wooden hand. And he's like, what do you mean? Well, I mean, like, how, how does he, he... Well, he goes, well, the other hand's not wood. <laughs> yeah, but one hand's on the wheel, and the other hand, it has to, you know, pull the e-brake. How does how does he do it with a wooden hand? And he basically tells her to shut, shut the fuck up. Uh, <laughs> but my thought was, that old, that old cutlass that he has, that classic, it doesn't have a hand power brake. It's going to be a foot one anyways. Right. But anyways, it was, I don't know, it was just funny. It was just funny. And, uh, and this show is definitely, uh, like, you and I love it, but 
the Evil Dead world is a special kind of taste. Like this is not for everybody. No, you know, not a- the, the bar fight you were talking about in the beginning, there are just buckets of blood. Like oh, yeah. It, yeah. one of their signatures is over the top blood and gore. Not no, even like, like realistic gore, but just like no. blood and gore and like Kelly grabs the bartender by his hands because he's being pulled over the counter by the dead eye and he's trying to pull her up and all blood is just shooting up like a fountain and all of a sudden like she comes back and she has both his arms and his you know, just 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 his arms. Yep. They've been severed from the rest of him or whatever. And yeah, and she's covered in blood from head to toe. Yes, yeah. literally. Like this is yeah. a lot of blood. It's a lot of messed up stuff, you know, there everybody know most everybody knows that say Evil Dead 2 had the famous tree rape scene, you know. The, no, Evil Dead had the tree rape. Sorry, scene. Evil Dead, yes. Uh, yeah. It's it's a messed up kind of world, but if you like that kind of tongue-in-cheek horror, the the crazy creepy stuff, it's awesome. Yeah, like there's a scene in Evil Dead 2 where Ashes um everything's kind of come alive and he's shooting at the hand. Yes. Like the hands in the walls and he's shooting and he just shot the cabin full of full of uh, shots because the hand and all of a sudden blood just shoots out of all the uh, all the holes in the wall, covering him in blood and filling up the room with blood and everything. And then it disappears. They kind of do an homage to that. This with one of the characters in this episode. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, like they they, they do a lot of nods and it definitely is like Evil Dead. The first one was definitely more pure horror. Yes, that was their intention. Yes, and then Evil Dead 2 had a lot more comedy in with its horror. And then, of course, Army of Darkness is pretty much a comedy with a horror with horror elements. Right. Um, but this is more along the lines of Evil Dead 2 yeah. and I'd say Army of Darkness. Definitely. Where it is horror, but there's definitely, you know, <laughs> comedy and buckets and buckets and buckets of blood and gore and people getting vomited on, like, gallons of projectile vomit. And I'm like, why is she screaming with her mouth open? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Ash is a very self-deprecating character. Like, he knows that he sucks and he'll say it, you know. Uh, When they were talking about him and calling him Ashy Slashy, he's like, I did not go crazy. I knew exactly what I was doing when I cut up my friends. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And uh, one of my favorite lines was right at the end. Ruby's like, part of me is already regretting calling you here. And he just goes, get used to that feeling. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was fantastic. Oh, and he does like his version of his art, you primitive screwheads. Listen yes. up. Except it's in the bar in, in Michigan and everything. It is yeah, awesome. he's talking to the rednecks. Yeah, all right, you rednecks, you primitive rednecks. Listen up. It was awesome. Yep. I'm looking forward to the rest of that season. Which I cannot shortly. wait. Now, cannot wait. Now, are they – because last time I watched this, it was – um. It came out on Stars, but I watched it late, so I was able to watch every episode. Did they do a weekly release? Every Sunday night at either 8 or 10 o'clock is when the episode comes out. Okay, so episode 2 is out now, or was it episode 1? No, episode 1 was this past Sunday. Okay. It was last night, but so they released it last Sunday. Thursday early, you know? Right. So episode 2 will be this coming Sunday. Gotcha. So, yeah, we got to wait a whole week, but Good. still... And, you know, I really think, like, this first episode was 35 minutes, and, it, you know, they're going to keep them a half hour. Like, the first episode was a little bit longer, like the first season, but, like, going forward, they'll be about a half hour, a little less. And they had a great soundtrack to it. Like, again, the ending credits was a, was a, was a pretty great song, you mm-hmm. know, like classic song that sounded good and everything. And I don't know. I love the show. 
I love it, love it, love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Other shows. Go ahead. Well, um, going back to last Friday and kind of keeping along the similar lines of what we were just talking about, uh, last Friday I saw the premiere of The Exorcist. I watched I've watched the first two episodes of that as well. As have I. Um, my thought, honestly, at the end of the first episode was, are they seriously going to try to turn this into a weekly series? Like, it <sighs> seems like the same kind of story that was in the movie, except they're going to try to stretch it out for an entire season, maybe more. Like, I, I was thinking that when they did The Exorcist as a TV series, it would be, you know, weekly episodes of we're going to exercise this family, we're going to exercise this family. Maybe there's a larger story at play where, um, you know, the, like the church is hiding something and, you know, maybe there's a sect of cardinals that are unleashing the demons or something. But it seems like it's just this one family. And yeah, I just thought it was going to be week after week. I thought it was going to be like a road trip. TV show where every week there's someplace else exercising something. You're yeah. Right. I, I thought it was going to be the same thing. I thought, all right, so the first episode, we're going to meet our new exorcist preacher guy, and then he is going to be introduced to the guy that's been doing it for years, so he's going to become like his kind of like his apprentice to it. Mm-hmm. And so maybe the first couple of episodes will deal with the same family because it's going to be an introduction, and then we'll deal with it the second, maybe three episodes, or, you know, maybe, and then they go on from there. But looking ahead, no, no. The first whole first season looks like is going to be this one family. Yeah. And watching the first two episodes, I'm not sure how I feel about that because, like, the second episode ended weird. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like with the with like the people murdering those people and harvesting their organs. Yeah, a, a very for network TV that was a pretty gruesome butchering. Yeah, yeah, it was. Like, the you know, kid goes into the house with his headphones on, and he can't hear what's going on, and, and, like, there's a pretty surreal scene where this girl's, like, screaming his name. Yeah. He's right near, and he can't hear, and the guy just violently slits her throat. And, and the then, blood comes gushing right out. Well, yeah, and then they kill the kid, and then you see them harvesting organs and jumping in coolers, and then you see those, like, there's, like, four or five dead people in that house, and then you see them leave the house these two guys and then like few like a bunch of other people all meet up with them and they all get in this truck and then later on you find out like nine people were killed and their organs harvested and everything like that and i'm like what what the heck's that kind of all about yeah yeah so, so that's that, enough of a twist that you're like well maybe i want to see what's going on here but yeah but that was the only thing in the first two episodes that made me go okay i'm gonna watch episode three now yeah yeah like we've i got want to the- see yeah. We've got this family. You've got Gina Davis, who I really didn't recognize at first. But Either then I was like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's Gina Davis. Wow, okay. It took me quite a while. But so you've got her. She's the career wife, you know, doing everything because the husband has some mysterious head injury or trauma or something so that he forgets stuff. You know, he's, yeah. he's, he's not a vegetable, but... And he's not quite memento. But, right. Uh, 
but for the most part, like he forgets things like he'll, he forgets the dinner prayer right in the middle of it. And he doesn't remember where he's going. Sometimes he mostly just sits in front of the TV, but then he'll have these little nuggets of wisdom, you know, where the preacher is visiting and, and he'll just be like, you need to go off this road to this hotel. That's where you'll find the guy you're looking for. And he's like, what? Huh? huh? Yeah. But he almost seemed like possessed. Not. Yeah. Not yeah. Yeah. And then you've got the troubled older girl who, you know, she obviously has some kind of dark history and dark past, and she's nothing compared to her perfect little sister who, you know, does the sports thing and gets yeah. the good grades thing, and mom is convinced that the older sister is possessed by the devil, because, you know, that's a logical assumption to make, that I'm sure that every parent has gone through that where they look at their child and say, my God, this child is possessed by the devil. Now, did I miss something when I was watching this? But wasn't the older sister the one that was in the attic in the first episode? No. It was the younger sister it in the first episode? It was the younger sister. Yep. Uh, see, I, okay. I guess I missed that. I honestly thought it was the older sister in the first episode. And then in the second episode, now we see the younger sister is possessed. Nope. It was the younger sister because okay. you were All supposed right. to think that it was the older All sister. Right. You know, he goes up to the attic and there's the sister, you know, there's the girl who's got her back to him and all the scary stuff's happening and the lights are flickering and there's a rat and, you know, she grabs the rat and rips it in half basically. And then the lights come on and, you know, the light was never broken and everything was fine. And the perfect younger sister walks out and does that cheesy line. She's like, he killed a rat. With a book. Isn't that great? But you know what they say. Where there's one, there's usually a bunch. Okay, that was the younger sister. I guess I just didn't watch that writer. I was tired. It, it was like, at that point, I was like, oh, God, they're really just going to stick with this one family for the whole season. Yeah. And I'm not okay with that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I can watch that. Yeah, it, I'm going to stick through the next episode because I want to know if they actually come back to this whole body part harvesting thing. Yeah. But it's legitimately concerning. Like, I was talking to my sister, and she's like, oh, I kind of liked it. I kind of liked the direction they were going in. So I, I guess some people do like it, but I don't know. I I feel like it's going to be too shallow because even watching the second episode, it was very shallow. You know, we've met the grizzled older guy who's done an exorcism and the young guy is like, I had a dream and you were exercising this kid. And he's like, how could you have dreamt that? I didn't tell anybody about that. It wasn't in the papers. And now in the second episode, the young guy's like, we need to do an exorcism. And the church is like, nah, tell her to get counseling. He's like, okay. And then he goes to the mother, and he's like, yeah, they want you to get counseling first before we do an exorcism. It seems like a logical step, but for a show called The Exorcist, it kind of pulls the rug out from underneath your main title character. Right, because you're expecting, you know, exorcisms to go on. Yep. And then the second episode did kind of ramp things up with, like, they pulled the they, – they saw the bug on the pillow on the girl's bed, and they pulled the pillow back, and there were all those worms and centipedes and bleh. Yeah. And, and the girl is demonstrating her demonic powers by getting knocked down at lacrosse and then standing up and staring, and they're – And then suddenly – Well, she broke someone's leg. leg with her mind. <laughs> yeah. Her leg just snapped. Snapped so bad that, like, the bone was coming out of the skin. Oh, it was a compound fracture, that's for sure. And what's up with the creepy guy in the suit? Like, he's over in the stands, and he's waving at her, and she's like, hi. And then 
And then later on at the house when she's sitting outside talking to him and then dad looks out and it's only her. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Like, she seems to know him because he's just like, he walks up to the gate, opens it up. He's like, may I? And she's like, sure, come on in. And then she's like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be okay. I think something's wrong with me. And he's like, oh, it's just a germinating little seed that hasn't poked its head out to the sunlight yet because she drank the holy water that her mom spiked her water with and acted like nothing was wrong, then went upstairs and vomited the most vile green stuff and then pulled like what a six foot long centipede out of her mouth yeah a pretty giant centipede out yeah which again it, it like good for you for going for shock factor but give me a story you know yeah i don't know if this is a show i'm gonna stick with or not I, I'm, I'm doubting it as well I, I i will probably give episode three a try but they haven't done anything these first two episodes save the last couple minutes of episode two that made me would make me want to turn on episode three. But even then, the last couple minutes of episode two were more of just like a WTF kind of thing. Yeah. 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 So anyhow, yeah, mm. I'm right there with you on that one. Cool. Cool. <laughs> we're, we're batting a thousand so far. <laughs> I know. We're thinking the same. Uh, let's go back to – do you want to go back to Sunday night? Sure. Uh, Simpsons. Simpsons, yes. Just talk about these shows real quick. Yep. You know? Yeah, I have very um, short notes on all the Sunday night stuff. Yeah, so Simpsons, they're in their 28th season, which is pretty unreal in itself. <laughs> uh, you got to give them credit at least for lasting this long and keeping it fresh. Yeah. Um, it's a funny episode. The whole town gets destroyed. It gets rebuilt. Burns recalls a traumatic childhood incident and tries to, you know, relive it, I guess. Yep. So... It is what it is. Yep. That's basically what it is with The Simpsons at this point. I mean, at this point, you don't really need to give a hard sell to The Simpsons. You either like it or you don't. Right. Exactly. It's here to stay. We're, we're not like nobody's worried about whether or not it's going to get canceled. It's yeah. here. It's kind of like Family Guy. You know, Family Guy, 15th season. Yeah. And they had a couple-year gap between, you know, when the show got canceled before it got brought back and everything. And again, it's another one of those shows where you either like it or you don't. You watch it or you don't. But I, I enjoyed this episode. I mean, yeah. you know, Stuart Bryan started Kids Band. And they had, blue shirt. it's pretty great original songs. It, which they do. I love Family Guy's original songs. <laughs> I loved it when Peter and Quagmire did that episode where they had like, you know, have you ever yeah. put butter on a Bob-Tart? And I can't poop in strange places. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love the song of Mummy and Daddy in the Bedroom. <laughs> and I think that was Awesome. The idea behind it was brilliant too. He's like, kid songs suck because they're written by adults. They're they're not experiencing kid problems like we are. We I right. should write these. <laughs> You're like, that's true, you know. So yeah. I mean, that worked out. That was good. Yeah, and uh, the side story in that one was pretty gross, which was Chris getting a job as Quagmire's assistant and gave us some of the jokes from the sizzle reel, reel that we saw this summer, like uh, you know the dishwasher full of sex toys and. Mort walking around in a horse gimp suit. <laughs> yes, yeah, I forgot. I kind of forgot about that backstory, but yeah, there was there was that backstory there, and it was nice to see. I know it was. We'll probably never see it again, but it was nice at the end when Olivia, you know, replaced Brian and Stewie, so she was now the singer, and she got Vinny, and they brought Vinny back for just the very tail end of it. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Um. Because it, it makes it so next week there's a reason why they're not in the band instead right. of just being dropped. Exactly. You know, um, Son of Zorn. Son of Zorn, the the second episode. 
the second episode, they bring us uh, Eye of Sight, which is a <laughs> Thundercats ripoff of Sight Beyond Sight. And it was just like an absurdly bulky block of stone. With an eye on it that he even taped to the hilt of the sword, <laughs> so he was looking through it like it was Thundercats. Yes. That's and it all even I had the same kind of. of vision with the blurry edges. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's all I could think of. It's Thundercats. Um <laughs> But he basically tries to give his uh, his son some girl advice, and that uh, doesn't. No, uh, I think that if this show is going to last, it's going to be on the merit of those kind of things. Like it's the fantasy aspects of it that couldn't yeah. like you, a normal sitcom. You know, inside four walls, you're not going to have things like the Stone of Sight. You're not nope. going to have um, moving boxes of stuff out of the garage that include venomous leeches and such. Yeah, they're definitely going to have to run with those things. Yep. Absolutely. Him yep. continuing to think of his his boss, his female boss, as a man. <laughs> I really, like, I'm not going to say, oh, my God, I love this episode, but I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. I had fun with it, especially the whole Stone of Sight gag. But I think that if they hadn't had that, it would have been a very mediocre episode of a show. Oh, no, no. Without the Stone of Sight, no. It was not a good episode. Yeah, because it's the, like you said, it's the typical, you know, I'll give you some advice about girls, son, and of course he gives him bad advice because he's a barbarian and he knows best. And Right, yeah. yeah. It's very <laughs> masochistic and, you know, chauvinistic, but the Stone of Sight just made everything more fun because it did. he could spy on anyone, anything, anywhere. So, and Gotham. You oh, you don't watch so Last Man on Earth, right? I do not watch Last Man on Earth. Okay. Uh, real quick, because that was at the end of the Sunday Oh, yeah, go right ahead. Um, so, last season, when it... You there? Hello. You there, John? Huh, my button got pressed. Okay. That was weird. <laughs> I'm like, what, what? So, where did I leave off? I, I heard you say it's on the uh, last man on on the tail end, and then that was pretty much it. Oh, okay. So... The last season that we got, uh, last season, they started off by introducing a new character, which was um, Will Ferrell. And he was going to be playing Gordon. And he's with the group down on the beach in Malibu. Phil, you know, quote unquote, the last man on earth, was uh, kicked out. Nobody liked him. He was a jerk. So they all went to live in Malibu without him. So Phil finds them in Malibu and comes down to surprise them all. Hey, I'm alive. Eh. And it scares Will Ferrell's character so much that he has a heart attack and dies in the first episode. So kind of funny. You know, they introduce a big name star and then he... Uh, dies in the very first episode, so he's not there for the rest of the season. They make mention of him several times, you know, Gordon is missed, and one of the women who was hooking up with him makes a Gordon doll. Um, but it was just kind of a funny gag. Well, they did the same thing in this season. Um, they have these guys, at the end of the last season, they had these three guys show up in hazmat suits with uh, automatic rifles, and 
they stormed the beach house and they took everybody, you know, you get down on the floor and they wanted to know what was going on. And January Jones comes out of the back room with a shotgun and blows away one of the guys, blows a hole right in his chest. They take his mask off and it's John Hamm. So <laughs> doubly funny because, A, again, they're taking a big-name actor, putting him on there for one episode and killing him off. And, B, it was funny to see January Jones kill John Hamm with their whole yes. Mad Men thing. Oh, so, yeah, no, that is pretty funny. So otherwise, the show is serviceable at best. Like, I know there yeah. are some people out there that love it, but it's – a lot of the humor in it comes from the uh, insane annoyances you know, the fact that this Phil Miller guy, I love Will Forte, but he's just so annoying in this show. His character is the worst parts of Michael Scott from The Office. Over-the-top, ridiculous, pushy, ignorant, and that's all I'm going to say about that. It just, if you like the show, you like the show. I'm torn on it. Some weeks I like it, some weeks I hate it. Well, I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> you won't miss much. Good. But I do like that concept of them introducing a big-name person like John Hamm and Will Ferrell and just having them be killed off immediately. <laughs> yep. I'm wondering how, if they're going to keep going, like if that's going to be their thing, or if they just did it twice and they're like, all right, we're done. No, they'll beat that gag to death. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gotham? Yes, Gotham. Gotham. So, episode two, yeah, uh, we see Ivy's been dramatically aged thanks to that fellow that grabbed her from you know the fifteen-year-old actress to twenty-eight-year-old actress with giant boobs, who I believe is supposed to be playing like a twenty-one or twenty-two-year-old actress, but yes, yeah, yeah, um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my first note on that is Ivy is grown up and violent over a plant being thrown away, which was silly. Yep. Like yep. the, the whole then, scene was silly because like she's looking at the plant. It's a healthy plant. It's got like one bad leaf. And yep. the fact that she gets violent over this is bad enough, but the guy like walks over, picks it up and throws it in the trash can and he goes, "Yeah, I never was good at taking care of things. It was a healthy plant. It was it yep. needed like a little water. That's it." Yeah. And then, you know, end scene, she's got skin tight boob bursting green dress on and she walks past the guy and goes, "Take better care of your plants." And how does she take him out? She breaks a potted plant over his head and leaves the plant on the floor to die. Yeah. Well, it seems like a very hypocritical move to me. Sure does. Yep. Yeah. This, uh, unfortunately for me, like, the first episode coming back, I really liked. I thought it was a good episode. I was like, yeah, Gotham's getting back on track. They're, they're going to yep. be good. And then this episode, I was like, oh, this is back to Gotham the way that I remember it. Yep. You know, my second like, note is Bullock is kidnapped barely to yeah. bring fish to Strange. Like, it was the lamest kidnapping ever. He's in an alley, because they're always in alleys, getting in his car, because everybody parks their car in alleys. Right. And these two girls walk up, and they're just like, you're coming with us. And he's like, okay. And then drops his badge on the ground, which the camera focuses right in on, so that we know that he dropped it. Right. And um, the cops confront Fish's gang. And apparently the cops are horrible shots. And then decide, hey, bullets aren't working. We should try fists. And billy clubs. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. It was terrible. And then later on, you know, uh, Gordon sets it up so that um, penguins can get fish. 
Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it just sounds like nature. I know. <laughs> well, they even said that at one point penguins eat fish. Yeah. Uh, the Riddler did, you know. Yeah. So the civilians bum rushed the, the place and beat <laughs> to death several of fish's hench people. Yeah. And then throw their body bagged bodies onto a fire. Yeah. <laughs> while, wow. While, while the, the police, police there. watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was just like, okay. There was, that was There was so much wrong in this episode. I'm like, yeah. first off, Valerie Vale is involved way too much. Like, not since Lois Lane have we seen a reporter of this caliber who is able to integrate themselves in literally everything that the police do. It's crazy how much this woman is there on the scene yep. for everything. And she wasn't around for the first two ep- two seasons at all. Yep. Um, and then another thing that really bothers me about Gotham is how many times have we watched literally every available police officer get killed? Whether they're gunned down, broken by supervillains, whatever, they're killed, and yet then they always have more people there. I think I talked about this last season. They must have a really good signing bonus to sign on to the Gotham PD. They've got it. It's going to be like because... the most amazing hazard pay in the world. Like, you sign on and we'll give you $300,000 or something. Because there is no limit to the number of bodies that the police force just throws at their problems. Yeah. And then think of all the funerals they must have. Right. Those big pomp and circumstance funerals <laughs> at the same time. That's got to be eating up the budget. They, they, at this point, they would have to have like a scheduled day of the week or the month. Where they're just like, you know, every third Wednesday is the official police funeral day because there are just so many of them we had to lump them together. It's that crazy. That's not disrespectful. That's asking, how are they doing this? You know, even in this episode, they surrounded the house. They suddenly had dozens upon dozens of cops surround the house. I want snipers up there. Where are you getting snipers? Like, okay, yeah, you could go out and recruit from the general populace and have people show up. Are far away from the general action that they're pretty safe. So they've they've probably been around a while. That's true. You know, because they're up high. They're not right in the thick of things. <laughs> Maybe that's part of the recruitment promise. If you last two weeks, you could be a sniper. <laughs> so, But, yeah, they kill a lot of police officers on this show. And they're also stupid. Like, not just the cops. Like we said in the beginning, you know, they go in. There's villains in there. They start firing on them. They can't hit anything. And when they do hit them, the guys are just like, ha, 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 bullets don't affect me. Oh, yeah? Well, then let's go for melee. That's stupid. Yep. But it's also stupid, like with Barnes, he's like, surround the house, put snipers up there. Then as soon as an unruly mob of people shows up with literally... Everyone to the front of the house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's leave our let's leave the back exposed, because you all yep. need to be up here, because these human being citizens are pushing through the front door. If it's that big of a problem, just step aside and be like, you know what? The, the civilian advocate can deal with this later. I'm done. Exactly. And then, you know, Penguin lets Fish go after a dramatic speech. Yeah, because she tells him, I made you. I made you clean my boots and get me martinis, and it made you the man you are today. Yeah. 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 So we let her go. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, Bruce is making out. I mean, sorry, Jim is making out with Valerie. And then we see Lee get off the train. Yeah. Because, you know. Drama. Need that drama. And then, of course, Bruce's doppelganger breaks into Wayne Manor. 
poorly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Although you have to question the security of Wayne Manor at that point. Because yeah, it's pretty piss poor. Because apparently it's that one window. Because that's where Cat always comes in. <laughs> Selena always comes oh in that God, one window. <laughs> and now this kid's just like, there must be like a neon sign outside that says, this is the entrance. <laughs> I wonder how often that window's been replaced in that study. <laughs> well, for... And, and, for... and the study must be positioned... And an easy access place, because that's literally the only place anyone ever breaks in. And it's one of the only rooms in the entire mansion that is ever used as a set. Yep, we hit last week we had the, the masked guy that works for the Court of Owls, who still yep. haven't named themselves. Who broke well, in there and... Yeah, that's right. And this episode started out with Bruce cutting a deal that he wouldn't investigate them any further and they wouldn't um, do something, kill his family or friend. <laughs> that's a great deal. Do something in a murder. Yeah, yeah. murder. I don't, I don't I'm not going to stop watching Gotham, but there's a level of ludicrous to the show that I just it's not a priority. Right. It's more more along the lines of like, oh, I got some time. I think that's a good word for it. It is ludicrous. Now, Comic books in general stretch your belief. You know, they're super-powered people. They have dramatic speeches and stuff. So mm-hmm. going into it, we all expect that. But there are plenty of comic book shows and movies out there that don't make you suspend this much belief. I mean, Gotham is borderline ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Yeah, I would agree with that assessment. I, I need more Riddler. He was the best character in the last couple of seasons. I need more yeah. of him, and we haven't seen him at all. We saw him a little bit in the first episode. It, it wasn't enough for me. Yeah, I will say, but it was not enough. Yeah. So let's get more Riddler on here, people, and let's drop this whole, which woman is Gordon going to bed down this week, you know? Honestly, the only curiosity I have, who is it that he impregnates that he names Barbara? I, at this point, I don't think that we're going to even get that. I think that this Gotham world has gone so far off the rails. I actually, when I was watching the second episode, I came up with a question that I think is legitimate for this show. Yeah. If you have this many superpowered people now, yeah, and you have the police doing their best to take care of them, and honestly yeah. succeeding in many cases. Why do you even need Batman? Why do you even need Batman? And that's not saying, oh, Batman sucks. Quite the opposite. But the no, reason Martin, Batman does not suck. No, no. But the Facebook. reason that Batman exists as Batman is because he takes care of the the superpowered beings that people, you know, the normal police can't or won't. He does things that normal people can't. And yeah. at this point. Everybody can. I mean, yeah, the police are getting mowed down, but Jim Gordon is more superhero than Batman needs to be. So why would there be a Batman at this point? It's a valid, valid point. Batman is the, he came out to TCB, and uh, the police are doing that just fine. It seems like. Yeah. So it kind of bugs me the direction that this show is going. I've thought the same thing about who's going to be Barbara Gordon. I don't think there's going to be one. I think that in this world, Jim Gordon is not going to have a daughter, or it'll be like his niece. You know, kind of like they tried to do in Batman and Robin, where it was like Alfred's niece. You know, it'll be some random person that we don't care about. And she'll be like, I'm Barbara. And they'll be like, this is Barbara Gordon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Valid. (laughs) 
So uh, Monday night also, uh, watch me another episode of The Big Bang Theory. Yep. And I thought it was another good episode. It it was good. Yeah. I don't know if it was good as the first episode. No, it wasn't. But yeah, it was better than last season started out. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. We had the competing storylines of... Bernadette's pregnancy is now public knowledge at the office because Penny blabbed but doesn't want to tell her that she blabbed, so she's all nervous that Bernadette's going to kill her because Bernadette's a little firecracker. Yep. And you've got the military investigating the quantum gyroscope. Yep. Which, oh my goodness, I did, I really did enjoy the part where they, they, they banned Sheldon from talking, and so he's behind <laughs> the general, and the general's like, well, I mean, I understand the science stuff. I, I am an engineer. <laughs> And I went to MIT, and Sheldon's losing his mind, and then he made reference to the Death Star in Star Trek, and <laughs> Sheldon's just like... <laughs> so, I mean, that was hilarious. It was, but, um, yes. So, I guess the ongoing storyline we're going to see is the fact that they have a couple months left now to make this guidance system smaller. Yeah. And knowing very well that they could be prepping the next Star Trek Death Star. And Sheldon's completely okay with it, being a cog in the military, industrial military's world, because that's what happens on sci-fi shows. Right, exactly. But the other two guys, the other the other two aren't. One of my favorite lines from the uh, show was when uh, they showed up at Bernadette's office and brought her McDonald's. And she's like, I'm sorry I got you a Happy Meal. And she's like, well, at least you got me fries. She's like, I didn't get you fries, I got apples. What kind of lunatic goes to McDonald's and gets fruit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I will say though, I'd really like to see more of Penny's family on the show. I would too. <laughs> they were it's, a breath of fresh air for that show. They were, and they were great. I loved it. Yep. Ah, <sighs> good show. For now. So uh, I want to. This is us. Did you watch the second episode? I did watch the second episode. I'm sitting there. Watch- Kate made fun of us, by the way. Why? Because I told her the whole thing how, you know, I brought up that I watched the show and then you watched it and how we both agreed how much we really liked it. Yep. And we thought the other one would never have watched this show, et cetera, et cetera. So she wanted to hear what we had to say about it. And she's like, you guys talked for 12 minutes about this show. I expected two. And so she was making fun of us because we talked about it for so long. It's a good show. It's a great (laughs) show. (laughs) And we learned to be okay. I've never liked just straight-up dramas like this before. Right. You know, save, like, I guess Gilmore Girls, but even then, that's not, I don't know, like, I was in the room while it was on type of thing, and I kind of, like, through saturation, I, I, enjoy, I, I grew to enjoy it. But, like, for several seasons, there were shows like Parenthood or yeah. Grey's Anatomy that you're just like, no. I'm not going to like this. I'm fine with never watching this ever. Exactly. Like, my drama is Game of Thrones, but it's fantasy. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's elements that are not just straight up human lives like this show is. Yeah, there's people slashing each other with swords, so. Right, right, right. Or like the drama of Supernatural or Flash or whatever, you know, like. That's my drama shows. There's there's a mix of horror, sci-fi, fantasy elements like that. Action. Not just straight up drama, but what a great episode. Yeah. Yeah, it was another good episode. It showed us 
you know, more good things about, you know, Milo basically being the, well, for those who haven't watched it yet, too late, you're going to start getting some spoilers because we gave yep. you a whole week. But, you know, we saw Milo being the typical 80s bar dad. You know, yep. oh, I'm going to stop into the bar after work. And his friend's like, dude, you got everything at home. You should be home with your wife. You shouldn't be here drinking bourbon. And yeah, he even had the 80s dad mustache, which was terrible. It worked well for him, though. It, does. <laughs> it did. He's got a weird mouth as it is. Yeah. So it kind of worked with him. But, yeah, he had the 80s dad mustache. And yep. uh, uh, it was refreshing to see. I always just call him Javi. From Castle yes. as his yeah, buddy. Yeah, Bobby's his friend, and he's like, you have a good thing going at home. What are you doing here? You're going to screw it up, blah, 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 blah. And then later on, he calls and be like, sorry, I overstepped my bounds on that. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Well, yeah, that's, yeah so, that's a good friend, you know. Yeah, it's a good friend. He's like, you know what? I'm sorry I overstepped my bounds, but, you know, you're lucky. I don't know if you realize how lucky you are, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, the little speech thing they do, like, the we, the three, mom said this and everything. <laughs> yes. Now, that's pretty cool. That was yep. pretty cool and creative. We, we got to um, see that when they were eight years old, you know, yep. there was a lot of tension with the kids. Um, right. The yep. sister was already starting to struggle with her weight issues, and, and mom was the, trying to help her. And then, of course, at school, there was like, how can he be your brother when he's black? And they were calling him Webster, and he did look like Webster. Kind of did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and then, like, because I, I had mentioned to Kate while we were watching, I was like, you know, in the first episode, we never saw any interaction between the brother and sister and the brother. Right. And apparently it's they live opposite ends of the country. Right. L.A. for the brother I, and sister. and then I guess I didn't pick up on that in the first episode. Or I just didn't think of it or anything. I thought so just because of the coloring. You notice that a lot of these yeah. shows, when they do like L.A. or whatever, it's bright and sunshiny. And then yeah. when they do things, like in this case it was uh, New York, it's very gray and muted. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, was it, is it New York or Chicago? No, it's New York. It's yeah. New York. Yeah, um, he said I'm moving to the East Coast. Yeah. But then, you know, at the end of the episode, uh, Oliver, Smallville Oliver, <laughs> call, calls him up and everything, and they talk. And then, you know, um, I like his sister. I like his sister's boyfriend. I like that character. He's borderline. Like you, almost worry that he's the bad influence. You know, oh yeah, he's totally the bad influence. He's on her supposed to be her fat partner because she really wants to lose weight, and he's like, "Oh yeah, but why not just have a pizza? Why not just you know have some cake?" And yeah, like he's more along. Like he's kind of said, like you know, like I, you know, can't can't we be more than just about food and losing weight? And she's yeah. like, "No, it has to be that for me." You, you want to get deep here for a second? Yeah, um, he is very similar to what her dad was when she was young. You know, yeah. her mom was giving her the cantaloupe with the uh, uh, cottage cheese in it, and then her dad came over and sprinkled the Fruit Loops on it. It was like, yeah. oh, come on, it'll be okay. You know, yeah. he's very similar to that, and so that's got to give her some conflict. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hold on. Sorry, I didn't want to cough in your ear. That's fine. Um, but, yeah, it was a good episode. We got some more backstory. We got some more current story. You know, he's stuck in his contract, and he's going to get ruined if he says, you know, screw you. But I guess he does anyways. And Yep. Yeah, they basically uh, said, we'll torpedo your career. Yep. And uh, then we find out at the end of the episode, you know, Grammy, Grammy and Grammy. Harry. 
yeah, show up, and it's Javi. Yeah, who's made war. Yeah. Although, so we don't know if Dad's dead or not in the picture. Well, he's clearly not in the picture, but we don't know why. Right, because they had that heartfelt thing in the hallway where he gave her the crescent moon necklace and said, and you know, I'm going to clean up, I'm going to be good for you, I'm going to be a yep. better husband, a better father. And she said, I'll never take this necklace off. And then we see she's still got the necklace on, but... That's no. what Kate said. Kate goes, well, he must be dead because she wouldn't be wearing that necklace and being with another man. Right. Um, but we still don't know because they're very right. good about tiptoeing around that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, talking about what does dad always say, what does mom always say, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they've really done – and then, of course, you know, the birth biological father, he, boom, going to my room, second – you know, which I don't blame him there. That's – this might be some awkwardness. Yeah. But uh, I will say this show has managed to suck me in even though it's just about people's everyday lives as opposed to – you know, something else. Right. A couple of notes that I had in here that I really liked was um, I, I liked it when Oliver, it, that's what it'll just be. He'll be small He's Oliver. Oliver. Um, so when he showed up and there's the valet guy out there and, and he's like, Victor, my man, how you been? And the guy's like, well, I've been Hector. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he walks into the meeting and she's, you know, uh, Katie Seagal again. She's really getting around and she's an awesome actress. Um, yes, yes. So she's in there as his agent and explaining the way, the way of the world to him. And she's like, you know, you have a two-year contract. This is why you get millions of dollars. This is why in the middle of 80-degree weather you get to wear that stupid ski cap on your head. And I was just like, I'm so glad she called him on the ski I cap because he looks like a douche. And then she told him to take it off. Yep. Um, but – we had that whole side story with the, uh, you know, when the brother met his biological father, and now the biological father's been kind of living with them, and his wife is not okay with that. She's like, no, I'm not cool with this. You know, he's overstaying his welcome. He's a bad influence. Because she's pretty convinced. He disappears all day. He'll be like, can I get money for the bus? And then he's gone all day, and he comes back, and he's like, I'm just going to my room. So she's convinced he's using... You know, yeah. he's got a history of drugs and she has that heart to heart with him at the table and talks about how, you know, everyone has their vice and my husband's vice is being perfect and helping everybody. And he made himself go blind from it. Like he was so focused on making sure everything was good and everything was perfect that he actually had hysterical blindness from it. Yeah. And she basically tells the guy, you know, you've overstayed your welcome. And then they confront him and they're like, well, where do you go? And he's like, I got a cat. You know, it lives several hours from here. It's the only thing I got, and I don't want him to be alone. So I take the bus out there. I spend some time with him. I feed him. It's three hours out, three hours back, but I don't want him to be alone. Why didn't you say you could bring a cat here? Well, your little one has asthma, and I didn't want to be a burden. And she's just literally like, well, now I feel like a bitch. Yep. It was it was good. You know, I, I liked that aspect of it because it could have easily gone into the route of, the tearjerker kind of, you know, where she's like, I don't care. I don't trust him and blah, blah, blah. But it was like, wow, I feel like a bitch. Okay, you can stay as long as you want. And that's end. actually were her exact words. Yeah. Well, I feel like a bitch now. Exactly. You know, like, yeah. Um, but, I mean, yeah, they gave you a reason to be suspicious. Yep. Oh, yeah. And he's kind of integrated himself in the family well. Yep. So that's good. 
I, I like the fact too, like you were saying about the Webster thing, you could see that this was an issue. You know, these two boys fought a lot. And we even saw, you know, they got off the bus and all the kids were like, oh, Webster. And they're like, come on, Kevin, ditch Webster. And so he does. And you're like, well, I'm sure that they, you know, work through that eventually. But then as adults, he calls his brother and he's like, there's so much awkwardness between them. You know, the awkward silences. And he's like, I was a terrible brother growing up. And he's like, yeah, you were. So you know that this wasn't just like a single episode, you know, oh, we're going to fix it all by the end of the episode. This was an ongoing thing for most of their lives. Yeah, exactly. No, no. The, the, the never. Yeah. I like that. It never healed from when they were kids, even though they show like he didn't make fun of him at the school that day and he walked away. Yeah. Obviously, there's still some rough patches, but right. that's how brothers are sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah, good show. If you're not watching it, you should be. It's very enjoyable. Yeah, it is. It's very enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hell. So, uh, the other show I'm watching Tuesday night, I don't know if you're checking it out or not, but, uh, Shield. You, uh, you watch be Shield? Agents of Shield? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the full title is Agents of Shield. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, checking I'm, that out. I'm, I'm digging Ghost Rider. Yes. I'm digging the, uh, the, the connection to, uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah. With yeah, the they're really kind of tying that in. in. Yeah, they really are, which is really cool. I'm digging they talked about uh, Steve Rogers. Yep. But I'm just going to jump into it. So Jeffrey Mace is the new director. That's his character's name. That's the character's name. Yeah, Jeffrey Mace. Jason O'Mara is the actor. Yes. And in the Marvel canon in the past, he was the Patriot. Yep. He also played Captain America for a while. Yes, he did. But he was not an, uh, not an immortal. Inhuman? <laughs> yes, he was not an inhuman, nor did he have the super soldier serum. But clearly in this in this version, he is an inhuman. Yes, because he, he, he literally says that. I yeah. prefer inhuman. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious if they're going to have him have a link with him being the Patriot still mm-hmm. or or what they're going to do there. Because they do but, hint a number of times. He says, you know, you know why they picked me. Yeah, exactly. They needed yeah. a face. This yeah, is why and, I'm here. Yeah, and Stephen Rogers is, MI, is, is you know, whatever they said yeah, about when him. AWOL. They, when AWOL, yeah. But interesting enough, Jason O'Mara has been the voice of Bruce Wayne Batman in the DC, <laughs> in the DC uh, animated movies since 2014. Nice. So I just thought that was interesting. Nice pull. Thanks. Uh, what did you think of the episode otherwise, though? Uh, I thought that it was good. Um, yep. They're really moving along this whole ghost story. You know, yes. the, the ghost woman in the box actually has a tangible form, goes to yep. this lab where she was quote-unquote created, um, r- rescues the other ghost people. Uh, they're talking about a book that she had that gave her power, let her do some experiment, cost These them people- all this. Yeah, and they accuse her of the one that's doing that did this all to them because of her experiments and her probably arrogance or whatever. Yeah, and they keep blaming this overarching him. <laughs> yep. You know, it's his and fault, that, he's coming. But when Ghost Rider grabbed that guy <laughs> Which he could, nobody else could. Exactly. No one else could really see him see him, but he when he grabbed him, that guy was surprised. Yeah. But it makes sense, I mean that's who Ghost Rider is. Yep. 
and it gives him something for it gives him a reason to possibly team up with Shield. Yep, which I liked as well. Um, because I feel like I feel like we're not going to see May for a few episodes now. Yeah, I kind of got that sense as well. Or we're going to see May really quickly because they're going to they're going to figure out that Ghost Rider can fix whatever's wrong with her. But it was interesting that it took her. It took a lot longer for it to affect her than it did others. Right. Yeah, I would say that that's because she has such a strong will. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But it, it was a good episode. It was a good episode. It was another one of those where it was convenient how everybody showed up at the facility yes. at just the right well, time. You know, coming from different ways. You know, there's Mac and Fitz showing up at the ghost facility after all the ghosts had cleared out and the one ghost was there setting the reactor off. And then just as they need them, Ghost Rider shows up and, oh, Daisy's there too because she was following. And Yeah. I that, think that's just how it's going to be. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's I did. how the show's been for so long. I think we're just gonna have to, yeah, yeah. I I know what you're saying by it, but um, Mac kind of got crushed this episode when he found out that you know Daisy needs the medicine. He's like, "Oh, we could get you the medicine. We have the medicine." And then he's like, "Yo Yo's been stealing it. She's been working with you. Yeah. Basically, you know, I've been close to this woman, and she has been lying, lying to me. me. Mac does not like being lied to. Yep, that is definitely not something you do to Mac. Yep." But so. now Reyes slash Ghost Rider wants to work with Daisy, so yeah. they'll have a nice little team up going because she's still not going back to S.H.I.E.L.D. Nope. 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 And, uh, yeah, I liked the reveal with Jason O'Mara. It, you know, they could have easily done one of those where we see a behind-the-scenes where he, like, punches a table and it breaks in two and we all go, ooh, is he good, is he bad? But this was just right out in the blue. You know, May attacks him and bounces off him and he just throws her up against the wall and says, yep, we're not going to do this. We're not going to mess around with this. I'm stopping you now. And then tells us right to the camera that he's an inhuman. Good. Yeah. Yeah, there's no... There's no hiding about it there's no um and then and no one else knew though actually right was the thing so there was a big reveal but it wasn't it was they didn't do the thing where they let us at home know about it and then they exactly. don't let you know on the characters they just boom they let all of us know at once and then of course colson had to reveal that yeah he knew the whole time yeah yeah but i like this director because so far we also haven't gotten the whole ooh is he good is he evil you know does he have a hidden agenda is he really a hydra agent he seems to be on the level from what i've seen it seems to be pretty legit that he's just you know he's looking out for the best interest of shield he's kind of a face essentially and he admits that yeah so i'm liking that yeah no absolutely um he definitely does seem to be a stand-up fella, yep. which is nice. And I do like that I because I think we need that. Yes. I think that's what makes Steve Rogers so awesome. <laughs> There's a lot it's, of things that make Steve Rogers awesome. Correct. But, like, you know, he reminds people, hey, let's not curse now <laughs> in the middle of a fight. Yep. Um, yeah, so moving to Wednesday. I'm just going to start out with Blind Spot. Did not watch episodes two or three. Don't know if I'm gonna. So awesome. I'm done talking about Blind Spot. <laughs> my favorite part of the show so far. Yeah, uh, Superstore. So this is episode two. Pretty much picks up where you know this was episode three. 
No, this is episode two, and it's literally called Back to Work. Yeah, but no, it's technically episode three. If you're because, counting the Olympic one. Yes, well, they they do, and, the, and chronologically they are. So this is technically episode three, not two. I wrote down two. I'm like, ah, no, no, it's three. And basically, yeah, they just go back to work, and the district manager's still there, and some guy gets his thumb cut off. Yeah, it, and the, in, in the a back, very unbelievable way. Yeah, and then loses his thumb, and then um, they spend the episode trying to find his thumb. Uh, when they walked towards the exit, and they had the thumb being held in guacamole so that it could stay cold, and she tucked it behind her in the basket, I literally wrote my notes, Dear God, are they really going to do a, oh, there's a thumb missing in one of the things of guacamole somewhere in the store? Yes, they are. Yeah. I'm not going to say it was the best episode. I'm just saying uh, if they continue at this caliber, season two will be the last season. Yes. I, I think that's a very good way to put it. Yeah. So, and that's all I got to say about that. Yep. I don't think that it really deserves any more than that, other than the boss was trying to be tougher because people said that he gets walked on, and it was the dumbest, most. It was the, yeah, over the top toughness. Yeah. 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 So you don't are you watching American Horror Story? I am not. I watched that first All episode right. and I just can't do it. So I watched episodes two and three. I okay, so I do dig the concept of the show. Yeah. Which is people, you know, it's it's a documentary that's being told after the fact. And you know, it's we have we're watching the dramatic reenactments as you know being played out as being told to us by the, um, the 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 people, the real people, quote unquote. But with episode three, there is just way too much backstory that's being told to us, that's being told in the dramatic reenactments. So it's like I like the idea of it. It's not working though. To me, it's not working. Um, I think they should probably just do away with that part. Like, I'm at this point now where, okay, they should just be the one story. The dramatic reenactments should be the only part that we see, and they should do away with the, the other concept of this is being told in flashback form through dramatic reenactments. You know what I mean? Yeah. Get rid of the get rid of the camera interviews, and just do the dramatic <laughs> reenactments, and that's the story. Okay. Because essentially what they did was is, um, you know, in episode two, the house that they live in was bought by these two sisters back like in the 50s or 60s or whatever it was. And they ran an assisted living facility where they murdered their patients. That doesn't sound that like house. assisted living. That sounds like assisted dying. Well, correct. Correct. They weren't doing it right. <laughs> uh, that, that's putting it mildly. That's kind of the <laughs> definition of wrong. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, yeah, that, so that's, that's what, and they had written the word murder on the wall and the blood of their pains, but they never got the R because they were only accepting patients whose first names would help them spell the word murder, which seems really convoluted. What? Uh, yeah, yeah. And then they disappeared before they finished the, got the last R done, um, because the, the people of Roanoke came and got them. And this is how it's connected to Roanoke Island. What they're basically saying is the inhabitants of Roanoke Island, the leader of the group is Kathy Bates. Her husband was the governor. He went back to England to get supplies or whatever. They left them there. They left her in charge. 
The people there revolted. They basically mutinied, if you will, left her to die. She sold her soul to some mysterious woman for um, to be saved. And so this woman saved her. So then she went and murdered the people that tried to upend her, including her own son, and then moved everybody from Roanoke Colony to the land that Shelby and Matt's house is on in North Carolina. So that's how we're getting the Roanoke story in North Carolina. Wow. So that's that's what they're that's what they're saying happened. The Croatoan, the whole the whole colony disappeared. They just moved. That's all. Yeah, they just up and moved and forgot to leave a forwarding address. Exactly. <clears throat> they now left I no like forwarding the address. Yeah. Um but then Kathy Bates' character also sold her soul, and I'm sure we'll find out more there. But essentially, they now live on this land in the spirit world, I guess, and will do anything to make sure they keep it and keep people off it or taking it from them or whatever. And, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to keep watching it or not either. I I definitely will not be. I yeah. Mean, I felt it's, a little guilty for not checking out the second episode, but now that you've yeah. told me this, I'm... <clears throat> there's, there's, it's very, very, very convoluted. Yeah, and it just, like I said, I love the concept, but I don't think this story works in the concept, based on where they're going with the story and everything. Gotcha. Because they're essentially telling you that Matt and Shelby and Lee, they're all fine because they're, you know, they're telling us about this after the fact, anyways. But they'll try to put in some kind of twist, like that they're. Telling this story from purgatory or something, you know, that way they can say, oh, yeah. oh, oh we got you all. But they anyhow, so, yeah, I just, I don't know. <clears throat> I may not finish the season. I may finish the season. I'm not sure. I may like kind of watch it if I got nothing else going on. I don't know if I'm going to keep reporting on it or not, though. Gotcha. For the show. It's, it's a little disappointing if you think about it. I mean, hold on a second. Sorry. Um, you know, Van Helsing, The Exorcist, now this season of American Horror Story, all kind of disappointing. Mm-hmm. And it's like kind of my favorite style of television. Yep. So it's a little disappointing. Yeah. But I can eh, see that. Whatever. I got a lot on my plate anyways. Yeah. So uh, Wednesday night is also Lethal Weapon Night. Did you watch that? I sure did. What do you think? I still enjoyed the show. Yeah. Um, I kept hearing your voice in my head saying, you know, oh, it's not Lethal Weapon. These are not the characters. And I kept saying, yeah, but I don't care because I'm enjoying this. Oh, no, no. I'm I'm there. That's why I, I said it's like I had to separate the two. Right, right. Just separate the two. If I watch it as a standalone show and the movies have never existed, I enjoyed it. Uh, one of my yeah. notes was, well, that gas truck sure blew up good. <laughs> yeah, right. Because they decided not to shoot at it, but the motorcycle that he stole was wedged under it and creating sparks. Yep. And I like how they get called to the lieutenant's office, and he has like that number. It's like a one million something something thousand. Yeah. Something. <laughs> this is how much damage you cost. It's like two days working together. Yeah, because like the first episode to the second episode, there's a three week gap where they're both kind of like suspended for three weeks, pending clearance or something like that yep. because of the shooting. So that's kind of. A realistic concept, you know, that they have to be cleared first. It's not right. automatically. It's a good shoot. Yeah. But then I like when they come back after the truck's blown up and everything, and on the whiteboard it's crossed out and it just says two million underneath it. Yep. <laughs> um, 
the the show <clears throat> definitely has ridiculousness to it. Oh yeah, I mean the the stuff is over the top. Like you know, in this one, the guy shoots up the party because he's trying to shoot up this woman because she jilted her ex-lover who, you know, was running guns. And so he's like, she knows too much. She has to die. So she's hiding out as a waitress for a catering company at a high-profile Hollywood party. And some of the things that I took note of that were ridiculous were Riggs chases her onto the rooftop, you know, to tell her, I'm here to help. I'm here to help. And there's a guy set up in full sniper gear, but tan sniper gear for an urban environment. And takes a shot and misses. I really hate that. I, I hate yep. the whole mystique of we've got this person who's a trained marksman and they miss their and he, first shot. And he's going to miss. Yeah. And then Riggs, her and Riggs jump off the building. Yeah. He barrels into this woman who we all have been told multiple times by now is pregnant and is on prenatal yep. vitamins and, you know, really yep. cares about her baby. Barrels into her shoulder first, grabs her, throws them both so violently off the building that they end up in the building across the alley, crashing through a window and landing on a floor. Yeah. That baby's gone. Yeah, that's a miscarriage right I'm sorry. There. I'm not trying yeah. to be cruel, but you <laughs> yeah. throw somebody off a roof and into another building, the baby's gone. And they just got up and walked away. Yeah. Yeah, oh, the city up. will pay for this. They'll put it on my tab. And they got up and walked away. Yeah, no, that, that that woman's having a miscarriage. And then later on when they're having the standoff and he literally shoots from across the room, across the warehouse, with a pistol, with just iron sights, he shoots through the guy's shoulder and it comes out of the shoulder and hits the other guy square in the forehead and kills him dead. He's a really good shot. And those are really powerful bullets. Well, yeah. To go that far, that fast, and then plug right through that guy's head. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, disbelief suspension going on. Yeah. But, um, I'm yeah. not saying that I don't like it. I'm just saying that, you know, if you want to fact check it, it's hard to do it with a straight face. <laughs> yes, yes. And Agreed. David Wayne's is Murtaugh character. Like, I don't know what's up with his wife. She is simultaneously the biggest hornball and the biggest cock tease in the world. Um, massively, yes. Because it's like every episode she like teases him and she's like, mm, I'm going to do nasty stuff to you. And then she's like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> Basically, she's like, oh, I'm going to psych. Yeah. yeah. And that and seems then... to be like the theme of their marriage. Yeah, and then uh, what is it? She's like, "Oh, we got to, you know, Martin's a great guy, and you got we got to look after him, and we got to be on his side, and you know, we got to support him in this and that. He's your partner." And then there's also they're teasing the, "I don't think Martin's good for you." Yeah, because yeah. he gets, you know, he he does, you know, you've been involved in so much crazy stuff since you guys have partnered up, and yeah, your heart's bad, and on and on <laughs> and on. It's very mixed messages. Yeah, it's really it's not uh it's not him saying I'm too old for this shit. It's like they're showing no look, he really is physically too old <laughs> for this shit because he has this heart monitor he has to wear and uh you know <laughs> I'm enjoying Riggs' character though because he's not just the cocky cowboy. Most of the stuff that he does in this, you can see yeah. the underlying like I don't care about my life. You know, he has that oh, emotional totally. breakdown when he gets the phone call because his realtor says, hey, somebody put an offer in on the house that you and your wife were in and you were going to raise a family in. So should I go ahead and sell it? 
Yeah, no, he definitely has the, I, I don't care about my life, but I can't take my own life because she'll be disappointed in me if I do. Yep. But, I mean, he's reckless to that extent. And they do a pretty good job of it, in my opinion. Yeah. Yep. So I'm enjoying yeah, that aspect of it. I'm enjoying the show in general, but more as like, a, oh, this will be fun to watch. It's not something that I'm like, oh, I can't wait for Lethal Weapon to be on. Exactly. Exactly. It's more like of a. It is. It's just a fun show to sit and watch. Yep. Uh, not a not a destination. Right. So I'm still watching SVU. I've okay. been a big Law and Order fan. It's you know Law and Order's been on now for 28 years in some form. Um, <laughs> you know. Uh, I'm and, just thinking back to the presidential debate and how Donald Trump kept telling us that we need law and order. And it was like, well, dude, there's still law and order on TV. Yeah, it has been for 28 years. That's right. Um, so I'm not going to give a hard sell on this one. It's been on for too long to do that. It's just the scenario of this week's episode was, you know, Joe Biden was on to open the show. As okay. Joe Biden? As Joe, as Vice President Joe Biden, yeah. Oh, that show's been known to have politicians playing themselves on it and celebrities playing themselves on it sometimes. But essentially what it is is, you know, this and this is a, a – I don't recall. I'm sure they've actually addressed this in one other episode of one of the series past. But basically, you know, they, they, a guy is set free. He's exonerated from a rape that he was convicted of 16 years ago and he spent 16 years in prison for. And – um because they ran a rape kit in Detroit and they found a match and this and that and everything. So it exonerated him from the charges. And, and I said there was like a parade or something to, you know, thank him for his time served and apologize. And No, essentially what it was is like at the beginning of the episode, that's when Joe Biden introduced Olivia. They're talking about these cold case rapes, how they these cases have to be solved. These women deserve to have justice. You just can't set a rape kit on the shelf and never do anything with it, even if you don't have a suspect. On and on and on, and then that's how this guy's like, – in this a month ago, this guy was exonerated due to this process. So then they bring him up and they bring his, his – the, the person that had accused him of being a rapist, and she like – they're like friends now, and she feels bad in this and that. And it's actually – she's the uh, – she was the Lightman's partner on uh, Lie to Me. I can't think oh, of her okay, name. Yep. But that's the actress. And she was on Scrubs as well. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's right. She was. And so anyhow – uh, essentially, what it is is like that's the opening, and then before we even and bef- that's the opening bumper, and before that's even over, cut to now this girl's daughter has been raped and murdered, or raped and abused, raped and assaulted, dies later, and she she once again says, "I think it was Sean." So then now the whole thing is investigating this guy who was – they have to tread lightly because he was falsely arrested 16 years ago and now you're looking at him again. And essentially what it comes down to is that, yeah, he did do it and being in prison is what made him a murderer and a rapist because what happened was – and he says this when he uh, explains why he did it at the end Mm – when he takes the plea, he has to say why. Essentially, what happened was is that you know he was taught in prison. You don't laugh at someone; you laugh at someone. You make them pay. And she laughed at him. I can't remember why, but she laughed at him. So apparently, he felt to make her pay, he had to rape her, douse her in bleach, and then set her on fire to huh. get rid of the evidence. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of interesting, I guess. And. uh I know you don't watch Criminal Minds, so I'll just talk about that real quick. No, I do. I watch oh, this you one. Do. 
Oh, I thought you didn't last year. No, 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 I did. It was oh. I was talking about with um, Shamar Moore moving on, and yeah. now Hotchner's going to be gone. I was like, I don't know if I'll be able to watch this season. But oh, I started okay. so it off. Did you watch the first episode? Yes, I did. So we got the new uh, the new cast member, if you will. Once again, another hunky guy. It is, and he has some sort of – his name is Luke on the show, Luke Galvez, and he has some sort of – there's some sort of odd tension. What is on my fingers? Oh, that pen exploded. Interesting. There's some sort of odd tension between him and Garcia. Yep, because I think that that's the – she doesn't want to get that wrapped up with another agent who might leave like he did. You know, Morgan yep. was her chocolate bear. Yep. And this is going to be your brown bear? I don't know. <laughs> Caramel. Caramel bear, yeah. He's Mexican. But essentially, you know, the end of the last season, there's these 13 serial killers that escaped. And over the last three months, Lucas helped them capture eight of them. Mm-hmm. And he, he was resistant to join the team. But then by the end of the episode, he's he's joined the BAU. Because he's just got to be out there chasing. He can't be sitting behind some desk. That ain't he's how a he hunter. works. He's a, a hunter. <laughs> yeah, hunter's got to hunt. Yeah. Um, but it was a decent episode. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It was a decent episode. It was a stretch, though, with the gassing of the people and you know the the the, the displacement disorder that they yeah, had. Yeah, the identity dissociative identity disorder. Yeah, considering yeah. Considering that it was, it's such a rare diagnosis, and they were like, "Oh no, we've got lots of people who have it." Yeah, they all live in the same community basically because of this this camp, and it was a stretch. Yeah. It the definitely didn't feel a like a first episode back for a season episode. It did not. It felt like a middle-of-the-season filler. Yep. Yep, that's exactly what it felt like, except for that they introduced a new guy. Yep. And I think it was supposed to the, – the, and, of course, he had the big revelation that, you know, that solved the case because they've got to introduce him as being, you know, an equal. Right. And, but with his own set of skills. And, and the tension with Garcia at the end – he was asking yeah. her, you know, oh, you're going to go hang out with your Canadian boyfriend who's totally real? And she's like, he is real. What are you going to be doing? He's like, I'm hanging out with my woman, Rosa. And that's going to be like his daughter. It's going to be a cat. Yeah. yeah. I it, thought it was going to be a cat. Uh, it's going to be something like that where it's like, oh, so he really is available and she's available except for, you know, we're not sure if she's still with Kevin or not because right. that's always really weirdly glossed over. Yeah. But, yeah, I think it's going to be a cat. Rosa's a kitty cat. All right. And I'm calling was, a kid, but that's the assumption I got. Well, then who's what? <laughs> I you know because that's you know, AJ's the one with the kids. Yeah, yeah. and Hodger's got kids, so yeah. there's enough people with kids. <laughs> I say that about wor- the world in general, so <laughs> I'm right with you. Uh, are you watching Designated Survivor? I sure am. So, all right. I thought that the pilot was a the the first episode was a good episode. Yep. Um, you know, he becomes the president, he vomits. I think that's a pretty good natural reaction to that <laughs> happening. Yep. Um, so I think, I, I thought the first episode was a good setup. Yep. You know, it established that he's the president, um, he's on shaky grounds, he has a good strong first outing with another country, you know, being diplomatic and basically saying... You know, Iran had moved some ships into an area, and he basically was like, turn them around, and we'll, we'll bomb the crap out of you. Yep. Um, but for the most part, nobody wants him to be president. Nobody trusts him. 
people on his, you know, staff, like the generals and stuff, were like, no, this guy has no business being here. Right. Basically, he's like, he's never been elected to office, or you know, he's never. He's never done anything. He doesn't deserve to be this. And, and, you know, honestly, maybe they have a point. Mm -hmm. Maybe they have a point. But, but, what I have a hard time with is, is, you know, in in military terms, you're not trained to think and have a point of view. You're trained to obey. Yeah. You follow the commander-in-chief. Exactly. And he's the president. So the fact that the general is going, you know, head-to-head with him about things and this and that and everything, there should be blind following from him. Not only head-to-head, but, like, devious behind-the-back plotting. It's been made very clear in movies and TV shows and in real life that that kind of attitude, that kind of mentality erodes the structure of the military complex. You know, because if your subordinates, you know, say the, the men on your platoon are doubting your decisions and talking back to you, nothing's ever going to get done. They can't trust you, you know? So the fact that this guy's doing that, yeah, it's a bit rough. Yep. And I mean, I mean, it was a good first episode. It was a good introduction to the characters. It was a good introduction to what was going on because there was a lot of characters to introduce, a lot of players involved in this episode, in this show. You know, I mean, and then the second episode is more along the lines of like, Hey, here's the realization. There is no presidential cabinet. There is no Congress. There is no House of Representatives, except what we do learn there's one. Yeah, the other designated um, survivor. Yeah, the, the Democrats want someone that, you know, whatever. And Republicans. And the, Republicans, I'm sorry. Yeah. And, then, you know, it's funny when I saw the opening credits and I saw Virginia Madison's name come up, I'm like, hmm, I wonder who she's going to be. And then, <laughs> oh, there we go. Yep. Um, so the second episode did a lot more to establish – the um, world, the tremors from what happened, I guess, or the the wake. Sorry, that's what I was looking for. The wake, the wake of this disaster. You know, with all everything going on in Dearborn, Michigan. Yeah, and you know, people's racial prejudices coming out, and that governor basically being like, "Yeah, I didn't elect you. You're not my president. Screw you." You know, when and in fact, uh, he's the president. Yeah, it's just it is what it is. Um, and then you know, just establishing other. Bits, including the FBI agent who was still looking for a boyfriend, but now has apparently accepted that he is probably gone. Yep. And I keep waiting for them to pull someone out of the rubble who's alive that technically should be the president because of, you know, the, uh, you know what I mean? Like someone higher up than Keith Sutherland's character. So technically he should be the president once he's fit to lead. And then like the, the controversy that will follow and then the division of sides and on and on and well, on. Well, they've got one shot mean? at it because, you know, at the very, very yes. tail end of this episode, yes. they were like, there's a survivor. We found someone in the rubble. Yeah. Yeah. And they cut that off, I realize. But I- I'm waiting for that. ass. I- but I kind of hope it doesn't because I don't want to deal with that drama. I think right. there's enough drama going on in the show, finding out who did this and who do we suspect and who's he going to pick for a team and this and that. We don't need the drama of people competing for power. Right. Yeah. I was worried when I first saw Virginia Madsen come on the scene that she was going to be that, like that she was going to say, I should be president because they kind of allude to that. They're like, Oh, she's been Senate majority whip for nine years. She's been on Capitol Hill for 20 years. She knows everything. And they're like, Oh, so she's much more qualified than him to be president. Yeah. So I thought that she was going to become the opposition, but she's actually working with him pretty well so far. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be, I'm, I'm sure there'll be, some... <sighs> 
I'm sure there'll be some sort of maybe he'll elect her to be his vice president or something like right. that. Right. Um but like, you know, he he tries to go to Oh, sorry, real quick. The end of the first episode and what they made a kind of a big deal out of the first episode was the speech he was going to deliver and the presidential voice and on and on and on. <laughs> and then right before the end of the first right before, at the end of the first episode, it ends with him going my fellow Americans and then it cuts off. Yep. And then at the beginning of the second episode, we only see a clip of the speech on a news article that he's watching on TV. So yep. you don't even see it. Like and we're told that it was horrible. <laughs> we're just like, it was just, just reference that it wasn't very good. Yeah. Yeah. Which I kind of like that because, you know, it leaves it to the imagination kind of. You know, there was yeah. a big speech. We've heard big speeches before. We don't need to hear another big speech. So we just know that he gave a big speech. He liked the speech yeah. that Cal Penn wrote for him. But the American public just was like, we don't yeah. care. You know. And and then he goes to the crash site, the the, the bomb site. Yeah. And he does kind of deliver a good little impromptu speech. But, of course, everything is overshadowed by what's going on in, when, in Michigan. Yep. And then they're asking questions that he clearly can't have answers for because he doesn't know. They just that they just all watched it on their phone. He's clearly right. been talking. Yeah. He hasn't seen what's happened. Right. Like stupid reporters. And then of course you have to have that one guy who's walking up suspiciously with his hand in his pocket, you pushing know, his because, way through the crowd. Yeah, very cliche thing. And then all big melee breaks out, and on and on and on. And I'll tell you one backstory or side story or secondary story that I care not any at all about is uh, the sun. Holy and God. Whatever, you want to talk about cliche. And whatever he's got going on in his world. I Yeah, the sun's a drug dealer. That, that's yeah. what is going on. The sun is a drug dealer. And, you know, he was given one job to watch the little girl and make sure she didn't watch TV. So, of course, she's going to watch TV. Of course, she's going to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm left alone by my brother. So I'm going to go watch the TV. And then she sees Daddy well, yeah, on the news almost getting shot. The one thing. Oh, yeah. The one thing. Hey, uh, I, I, I kept her from watching the TV until you didn't. I'm not his parent. All our roles have changed. Yeah. I like that he goes, I'm not her parent. Um, Yeah, he had to watch her for one day for one hour <laughs> or for a few hours. It's not like this is how it's been for years. You That's know? literally I mean, a is, babysitter. <laughs> yeah, it's literally a one-time thing he's had to do it. Yeah. yeah. And, he, and then he fails at it. I, uh, ultimately, I liked the episode. Uh, I thought that it yeah, was a strong Ultimately, I did too. I, I, I thought it was good television, yeah. I, I got to say, honestly, um, when I was watching the the thing going on in Michigan, uh, in the yeah. fictitious world, it scared me. Because, like, you could show things about nuclear war and, you know, invasions from other countries. This was the one that felt like, yeah, I could turn on the news tomorrow and see that. Like... This is believable. That kind of thing oh, is yeah. believable for what's going on these days. And it's not, like, um, it's not what? I was trying to think of this. I, all I could think of is Wolverines. It's not like Red Dawn or anything right, like that. Right, right, oh, right. It was legitimately believable. And when the governor basically told him, you know, I don't care. You're not my president. F you. And then refused to take his phone calls. Yeah. It legitimately made me think that. Oh, you know what? This is what the main governor would do. 
You know, <laughs> legitimately, <laughs> LePage Le would do this. Yeah. <laughs> because it wasn't just that he told the president to F off. He then refused to take phone calls from him. You know, sat there going, no, no, I'm not taking phone calls. I'm not taking phone calls. No, no, no. He's not my president. And I was like, holy God, this would happen in Maine. So it was kind of a scary thing to watch for me. It hit home more than a lot of drama shows today. Um, and to think that, you know, this is something that, like I said, we could wake up tomorrow and find this happening around the country. Not oh, yeah. that big of a stretch. So, yeah, but I enjoyed it. Uh, you're right. There are a number of things like I don't care about the son. I think he needs to go away. Just like get him off the show. Because I'm going to say this. Whenever we have shows like this, whenever we have dramas or comedies or any kind of show, do you know what 90% of the problem is? Kids. Yep. The kids are always the problem in these shows. They're always the <laughs> ones that get into trouble. They're always the ones that mess up plans. They're always the ones that scream or cry when the murderer is right around the corner. They're always the ones that wander off from the group or go to get their favorite toy and end up putting everybody in danger. We need a boycott on kids in shows. They are no good. They serve no purpose. Get them out of here. Well, I think sometimes they, they serve a purpose. Give me an example. I'm, I'm um, calling you out on this. <laughs> uh, well, okay, the episode of MASH uh, where Hawkeye – uh, was on the bus and then he kept telling the lady to, to quiet down that chicken, but it was actually a baby and she smothered it to death. That served a purpose of dramatic element. That that was a deep pull, my friend. Hey, well, it's the first thing the first thing that popped to mind was actually the movie Man on Fire with Denzel Washington and the little girl that he was bodyguarding, and she added a lot to that. But I I, I couldn't formulate the sentence fast enough, so I just went. <laughs> I went with Alan Alda. Gotcha. Yeah. I went back to 1983. (laughs) I know what you're saying, though. In this type of show, in this element, you know, they're adding nothing but bullshit backstory that I don't care about or ever want to see. And, yeah. Yeah. For a character that I'm not going to care about. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Like, this, the daughter will be a background character that's just there because she's a little girl and it makes him more humanized because he's a family man, he's a father, this and that. Until she gets kidnapped. Right. And the son's a character that if he got blown away, I wouldn't care. I'd be happier, honestly. Yeah. 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 He doesn't have to deal with his drug dealing backstory. Yeah. 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 So Wednesday night's apparently a big night. Yeah. Yeah. Number of good things on there. Yeah. The uh, the Thanks. newest episode of South Park was on Wednesday night. And you I know I'm watching that, that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna fill my water up and I'll be right back while you All talk right. about South Park. <laughs> Excellent. See folks, I am that boring to Mike that he's gonna go fill up his water instead of listening to me talk. Anyway, so uh, South Park is again continuing the stretch of What's going on with the presidential campaign and what's going on with, you know, the country as it is right now. Um, This actually, this episode was right after the debates and they really, they took their own version of the debates. Because like I said, you know, Mr. Garrison is playing the Trump part and they've got Hillary Clinton up there. And 
they touched upon the debates, but in a different way. Instead of, like, showing Mr. Garrison as being a blowhard and everything, he literally got up on stage and was like, please, people, don't vote for me. I have no idea what I'm doing. I will run this country into the ground. Please, please, God, do not vote for me. And everybody was cheering him and like, oh, he's so real. He speaks to me. He's such a real guy. And uh, it was funny and sad at the same time. Um, Gerald has been continuing his trolling of people online. He's, his latest target was a, uh, a breast cancer survivor, a woman's volleyball uh she was on the female volleyball Olympic team from Denmark and uh, she was a breast cancer survivor. And he, she went on TV and was like, I'm not going to give this troll the satisfaction. So he made it his mission to just grind her into the ground to the point where unlike the euphemism, the episode before where, you know, kids were quitting Twitter and it was supposed to kind of symbolize suicide. This woman actually killed herself. And Gerald kind of freaked out about that because he's like, well, wait, I was just trying to piss people off, but this woman actually took her own life, so now he's kind of rethinking that. And Denmark has decided that they're ready to fight back. They say, we know the secret to uh, getting rid of trolls. You have to say their name, which kind of reminded me of, like, demonic possession and such. Um, I'm and, surprised the censors would go there and allow that to happen. Yeah. Because it's, it's, too, it's too real. It is very real. Um and then they had a little side story because, you know, Cartman had all of his stuff destroyed in the last episode. So he's now lost. Uh, he doesn't know what to do. He kind of wanders the halls. The police are actually going around asking neighbors what's going on because, you know, this little boy quit Twitter. And they're like, well, sometimes people quit Twitter. And they're like, no, ma'am. Uh, when people quit Twitter, they usually give like three paragraphs of description as to why they're quitting Twitter so that everybody knows exactly why they're quitting Twitter. And they're usually back shortly thereafter. But this little boy has not come back and he didn't leave any description of why he was leaving Twitter. So we need to know if it was foul play. And uh, so now that's accurate. <laughs> yep. So now they're hanging out in a park with all these other people who are disconnected and uh, people are kind of like they drive by on their smartphones, you know, playing on their smartphones. And they're like, look at those people. They they have to like hang out and do stuff with other people. <laughs> it's got to be such a sad life. And Cartman cracks this joke. It was terrible. But in the first episode, he was talking about how um, – women are funny and he's like no yep. women are funny women can be funny they can be okay because of the whole ghostbusters thing and you know everything that's been going on with people like getting down on women so he was like no women can be funny so he's talking to his little friend here at the park and he's like you know i kept saying that women can be funny but i i was just taking my own feelings into consideration i never thought about what the african-american community thinks and she goes oh, does it matter and he goes it does because black laughs matter <laughs> and she looks at him and she's like, was that a joke? And he goes, yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> Holy terrible. crap. Yep, he went there. Um, but then the other subplot is that Randy's gone to look for what's going on with these member berries because everybody he talks to keeps pushing member berries on a member berry pie and member berry juice and stuff like that. And he found out that this farmer had to get rid of all of his other crops, all of his pumpkins and corn and everything, because the demand for member berries has been so high. And it's basically talking about nostalgia, you know, thinking back to better times, how the country used to be better, how life used to be better. And uh, so it's still really a dark season, but I'm enjoying it for what it is. Cool. Yeah. 
cool. Oh, and Cartman's going to get to see his first vagine, apparently, because oh. he he drew a picture on his face back in the first episode to say that the girls had tormented him, and he drew a picture yeah. of a vagine on his face with testicles hanging down from it. And uh, the guys were like, the girls didn't do that. And he's like, how do you know? And they're like, girls don't have balls. Well, then what do they do when they want to scratch their balls? They just don't have balls, Cartman. So, <laughs> so he's asking his little female friend, he's like, is it true that girls don't have balls? And she's like, no, girls don't have balls. And he's like, well, then, like, what's at the end of the vagina? And she's like, would you like to see? And he's like, holy crap. And that's how we ended it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Kids. Kids. They it's like, the darndest um, things. My son, the first time he kind of peeked in while we were changing his sister's diaper, he was three. And he just goes, where's your pee-pee? And the response, not from me, was, yep, she went pee-pee. And I went, that's not what he said. <laughs> and he goes again, no, where's where's her penis? Why does she have a penis? So I had explained that to him at three. Excellent. Yeah. I don't know, if, I don't know how well it stuck with him, but he hasn't asked again. Oh, I'd say pretty well, then. <laughs> uh, so the good place. Yes. You watching that? Oh yeah. You still you stuck with it? I did. So I would not say it's a super fantastic show. Nope. I think it's kind of a fun little show. I think you know episode three, essentially the big reveal is we find out that Zhang um, uh, Yu, the monk. Is not so silent, and he tells, he reveals to Eleanor that he doesn't belong there either. And then episode four is us finding out who the, who Zhang Yu is. He's really Jason Mendoza. He's a DJ. He used to sell drugs to kids, uh, to teenagers or whatever. Fake drugs to college kids. Fake drugs to college kids, and he's a DJ, and he does this, this, and that, and everything else. And we still don't know how he died. Right. Uh, but we do know he doesn't deserve to be there. And so he goes through a phase where he just wants to try to be himself. And then ultimately at the end, he and Eleanor are going to learn about good ethics and everything from uh, Chidi. Yep. Who we find out in episode three is exceptionally boring. <laughs> and, and, and wants nothing more than to be an academic and be a teacher and work on his manuscript about ethics, which is like 4,000 pages long. And the most convoluted, broken thing that anybody has ever written in the history yeah. of ever. Yeah, I like Michael goes. I, I can read any. I can read everything ever written in literature in, in an hour, and I, I took me two weeks to read this, and I still don't even know what I. I still don't even know what I read. So I'm, yeah, I'm starting to get the feeling that this place that they're in may not be the good place. We're starting to see chinks in the armor of everybody. Like, you know, Chidi's supposed to be a really good guy, but he's actually insufferable, and he didn't really yes. contribute to anything. And Yeah, that was the other thing. Yeah, he didn't do what other people did. Yeah. So I'm starting to think that maybe this isn't the good place. Maybe, like, Michael says this is the first neighborhood that he ever got to design. Perhaps his bosses were like, oh, let's let him design one, but it's not going to be that. It's going to be, like, an intermediary kind of thing. I I'm thinking well, that that's going to be a reveal we get well, no, because Eleanor is supposed to be this, you know, this this goody two shoes girl still. Well, like her that's history what got Michael mixed up says. with someone. Else. Oh, okay, but you're thinking. But they also mixed up the history of Zhang Ying and and Jason. 
I mean, that's too much of a coincidence to have two people who are horrible people in life that get mixed up with awesome people. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. So, I don't know. You're right. It's not something that's like, oh, my God, this is a great show. But it's fun. It's a half hour. It's Kristen Bell. Yep. You know, it's tolerable. That's right. Yeah. That's that's Kristen Bell. (laughs) So I think we're down to my last show. I'm looking. I don't have any other Friday notes to talk about. I don't have any trailers. I don't have any movies. I don't have, I don't have anything else. Holy I've God. crossed everything else off the list. Wow. Well, we have been talking for two hours. Yeah. I, I've still got a couple of shows. All right. Well, I, obviously, one of my last one's Blacklist. Okay. That, so that's on my what, list as well. What else do you have? Well, um, I caught up with this season of How to Get Away with Murder, and uh, it's a better season already than the last couple of seasons. Um, The first season was good. Uh, It gave you the mystery in two parts where, you know, at the end of an episode or sometimes interspersed, they'd show you what happens a couple months from now. So you kind of had to piece together somebody got murdered, who did it, what did they do to cover it up, and then you go back to present day. It's it's a technique that a lot of shows are using these days. I remember Quantico was pretty big on it. Um, but this season, it it's um, the first episode just starts off recapping what everybody was doing for the summer. Um, they're back at school, but now the professor, instead of being uh, a teacher of intro to law, because of all the controversy from the past couple of seasons and all the murders and stuff that have been surrounding her and her practice and her uh, classroom, they've kind of shuffled her off. They were going to just suspend her and make her more of a researcher, but she said no, no, no. So she's now doing a class that is a pro bono legal class. So they present real cases. You know, they say this person is in jail for this, this person is in jail for this. We want to try to get them off. Who can give me the best argument and you'll get to go play lawyer. So it's real life experience for them. And it's good. There's still a lot of murder and mystery going on, but I'm liking this direction a little bit more because the, like last season, they just had one client. Uh, It was a brother and sister who supposedly murdered their adoptive parents. And it wore out after a while. You got kind of tired of it. But this one we've actually, so far we've had an immigration case, which I had just watched Adam Ruins Immigration. So it was interesting to see how they tackled the exact same things and they tackle them the same way. Uh, and then we had a case of a woman who, when she was 31, uh, beat her husband to death with a claw hammer and then went to work and punched in for a shift. Like nothing had happened. And she's been in jail for the past 30 years. Now she's 63 and up for parole again. And they're going to try to get her out on parole. Uh, it was, they were, they were interesting cases is what I'm getting at. Like they were, much more interesting than just seeing the same old, same old, how are we going to get this brother and sister off for supposedly killing their parents? You know, the immigration one talked about how there's no immigration courts out there. You know, there's like 50 immigration courts in the entire United States, and the decisions are up to the judge's discretion more than they are up to the law. And the uh, the woman who beat her husband to death was an abuse victim for 10 years. And back then... It was a lot harder to prove abuse. It was a lot harder to get it to stick. Um, yep. And nowadays the laws have changed, so they were able to, you know, get her out on parole at least for what she had done based on the circumstances and such. 
So, and then the ongoing mystery this season is that at the end of the first episode, you know, we flash forward two months because this will happen two months from now when the show is on the air. Uh, Annalise, the main character, is running through a crime scene, and there's a body being wheeled away to an ambulance with a sheet over it because they're dead. Her house is burning to the ground in the background, and we don't know who's dead or what happened. So they promise that every week they're going to show us one more person who isn't dead. So we get to just keep wondering, is this person dead? Is this person dead? Oh, we saw this person, so they're not dead, which I like. It's a really cool twist on things. So good show. I I, I didn't like it as much the second season, but I'm right back into it with the third season. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, that can happen before. Like the last season of Big Bang Theory really wasn't very good at all, but I stuck with it, and this season so far has been better. Yep. Yeah. Um. Quick note on Bull. Um, still a fairly enjoyable show, although it's really far-fetched, some of the stuff that they do. Like, yeah. essentially, they set up a jury. You know, they pick the jury because they think that these people will help them the best. And then they create a mirror jury where they get people who are the same race, the same build. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then they outfit them with biometric measuring watches so that, and, and have them uh, sit in the courtroom through the whole trial so that they can say, oh, well, this guy mirrors this guy, and he was upset, so that juror has to be upset. It's a big stretch. I mean... That's pretty much a crap. Eh. See, that's kind of why I didn't I didn't care or, or have any excitement to watch the show after I watched the, the commercials for it, because I was just like, seriously, it's going to be a, a, a procedural show about juries? Yeah. And the guy who picks juries, yeah. like... That's a movie. That's yep. like a one movie thing. That's not a series thing. Uh, Runaway Jury. Great movie. John Cusack. Yes, that was a great movie, actually. Yeah. Gene Wilder, <laughs> Rachel Weisz. Oh. Yeah, Gene was Hackman. A sorry, movie. Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I want to watch it's, that movie now. It's um, it's not a terrible show, but it is definitely a background show for me. So yeah. I, I can't give it a hard sell, but it doesn't suck out loud. It's just very unbelievable in places. Um. <laughs> And I've got to say, I, I've got to give you an update. I watched the first episode of this season of Scream Queens because oh, I, yeah? it, it had been set to record. It recorded, and I was like, all right, I'm going to sit down and watch it. And I had one note for the entire episode, and that right. is wholly expletive deleted. It's the same show. Because the first season of Scream Queens, we open up on a party in the 80s at a, uh, a sorority house. They're all having a good party, and then they find out what? The girl is sick. She's going into labor, whatever. And the girls are like, we can't be bothered. We're having a party. She can't interrupt our party. Well, she needs to go to the hospital. No, that's bothersome. This is the same thing. It's a hospital in the 80s, and they're having their Halloween party. And this woman comes out to the nurse's station and tells them that her husband is stopped breathing, and he needs to be helped. And the nurses and the doctors are all like, yeah, but we're having our party. And the the woman's like, but he's dying. You're supposed to help him. And they're like, can't he wait until after our party? We're busy right now. Oh, and, God. And so one of the doctors, Jerry O'Connell, reluctantly agrees to go into the room and says, okay, we'll, we'll prep him for surgery and we'll take care of him. And, and you need to leave the room now. And then they wheel him out back of the hospital to the toxic swamp that is on the doorstep of the hospital <sighs> and dump him in the toxic swamp. The woman, meanwhile, is pregnant, just like in the first one. Oh, gosh. And 
now we're in modern days and we're going to have to figure out who the baby was that's yeah, now that's... going to come back and kill everybody. So now they've got this stupid hospital that Dean Munch is now the director of and they take in patients who have weird diseases that nobody else can cure. Like the first one has like a werewolf disease where she grows outrageous amounts of hair over her entire body. I'm done. It, it's ridiculous. Yeah, that sounds it's stupid. It's stupid, it's ridiculous, and it made me angry watching it. I was like, they recycled the entire plot of the first one. The characters are still one-dimensional. This is garbage. It is hot, sweaty garbage, and I never want to see it again. Perfect. Yeah. So that's Perfect. done. Um, I won't get into all the details of Adam Ruins Immigration, but it was a really good episode. It was really informative. You know, he, right off the bat, he tackled the whole wall thing. You know, yeah. oh, we need to build a wall. And he's like, first off, the wall itself would cost 15 to $20 billion easily. And it would displace people because where it would have to be built is across homes, across uh, mountain ranges, etc. So it's highly unlikely that anything like that could ever happen. Plus, you'd have to staff it, which would be exorbitant cost. And over uh, almost half of the people who are undocumented immigrants in the country came in by plane. They didn't run across the border. They came in by plane on a perfectly good visa. It ran out, and they never renewed it or went back. So now they're here as, quote-unquote, undocumented immigrants. And, oops, what are you going to do? The wall wouldn't have done a damn thing. And he went on to talk about, like, the history of the illegal crossing and the immigrations and um, how in 1986 we had 1.7 million undocumented illegal crossings. In 2000, same thing, 1.7 million. Today it's 337,000. So it's actually gone down a ton. But people still think, oh, it's a big problem, it's a big problem. Um, the <laughs> He brought up the point, we have the most militarized border between two nations of peace in the world. Yeah. And then, like I said, he talked about the history, about how, like, basically in 1846, President Polk provoked a war with Mexico to seize their land. And the land that was seized from Mexico was Texas, California, Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, and a few spots of the Midwest. All of those states were part of Mexico. Polk poked them, we went to war, and we took it all. So all the people that were living in those areas were Mexicans. They're of Mexican descent. Yep. So it was interesting to see that and then how, you know, further presidents were like, oh, we could use some Mexican labor over here. Why don't you guys come over here and work for us? Oh, now we want you to go away and kick them out and then invited them back and then kick them out. And it's it's insane. The court system has almost 500,000 backlogged cases, and they're, they're lumped in. They talked one story, okay? They were talking about how, like, you have to do Skype sometimes because, you know, if there's 50 courts in the entire United States, chances are you're going to be in an area that doesn't have a court, so you're going to get video conferenced in. They said there was a guy who was mentally challenged, so he didn't understand things normally, uh, he was lumped in with 29 other people on a video chat. The judge yep. asked them all to raise their hand if they objected to being deported, and nobody understood him, so nobody raised their hands. So they all got deported, including this guy. He was a citizen of North Carolina. 
He was a legal American citizen. He was not Mexican. Uh, huh. He got deported with the others to Mexico. Mexico realized, hey, this guy's not a Mexican citizen, so they deported him to Honduras. Uh, Honduras said, hey, he's not a citizen of ours. They deported him to Guatemala. Uh, they finally found him like 10 years later. He was on a park bench in Guatemala. They sent him home. As soon as he got off the plane, INS grabbed him again. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a pretty rough system when you get down to it. You know, we can use the basic arguments about how, you know, oh, well, we're all immigrants, basically. You know, this country was founded by people fleeing other countries. But when you when you want to make the arguments about, like, we need a wall and they're taking our germs and stuff like that, the math doesn't really back it up. Nope. So, again, a really good episode. Love the show. If you want to learn and be entertained, check out Adam Ruins Everything. Well, I've been digging the podcast. Yeah? Yeah, it's a good podcast. It is. It's informative and fun. I didn't so much like the one with his friend Emily where they just basically ranted for a while. No, I didn't listen to that one. I just kind of listened to the most recent one, and I've been listening. I listened to a couple before that. But it's, a, it's, a, it's a good show. Cool. And you said The Blacklist, and I think I only had one other show, which I'm surprised was not on your list. Which was it? That was MacGyver. Yeah, I'm, I'm not watching it. Okay. I've watched both episodes. Um, MacGyver is my holy crap, I was surprised show of this season so far. Rude gave it such a negative rant yeah? that I just didn't bother. I've noticed that a lot of times on this show, um, Rude and I don't seem to have the same views on things. No. Yeah, I've noticed that as well. Um, I liked this show. I thought this was good. And if if any arguments are made, you know, oh, well, this isn't MacGyver that I remember. You're right. It's not. This is not the MacGyver you remember because, you know what, it's not the 80s anymore. <laughs> this is 20 years later. So this show reminds me of uh, Burn Notice more than anything. He yep. actually narrates it. He actually talks about the things that he does, you know, why he's putting this piece with this piece. They put, you know, the words up on the screen, you know, this is iron, this is zinc oxide, and it explains how he's doing what he's doing. The Like, the commercials all made it look like it was beautiful people and, you know, oh, this person's beautiful and this person's gorgeous. They're actually pretty ugly. <laughs> it's When you get right down to it, it's a show full of okay people and... It's fun. It is not my pick for the best show of the season, but I was genuinely surprised at how much I liked this because I was going in thinking this is going to be absolute steaming garbage, and it was fun. It was entertaining. I really enjoyed the narration. Like I said, it reminded me of Burn Notice, which I loved. I thought Burn Notice was phenomenal. Yeah, is, I liked Burn Notice a lot. It so. is not identical to Burn Notice. I'm not saying that it is, but it was fun like Burn Notice and... I enjoyed it. I thought this was a great show. I've watched both episodes. Yeah, they have some very over-the-top ridiculousness, but it's still been really entertaining to me. I really enjoyed it. I like the twists. I like the characters themselves. They're ridiculous, but grounded. And the hacking is kind of ridiculous, but most hacking is in shows. And they at least explain it better than those idiots on Scorpion do. <laughs> that show so much. You know, she actually made a little bit of more sense when she was talking about how she hacked into their security cameras. Doesn't explain how she had control over the power grid or the lights or anything like that. But 
I still I give this show a not a hard sell, but a sell. I say it's enjoyable, it's fun. If you want to be entertained, check out MacGyver. It's cool. I may have to check out the first episode at least then. At least the first episode. You know, if you don't like it then, then fine. But I think that it's worth a shot because it genuinely surprised me. Cool. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. So Blacklist. Are we there yet? Yep. I think so. Cool. Unless you want to talk Excellent. about the debate because, you know, that was on this week. Oh, God, no. I didn't watch that. Oh, it was awesome. Oh, we've already talked too much about it. <laughs> the Saturday Night Live version was better. Oh, speaking of which, I just want to throw a note out there. Uh, Saturday Night Live this week, I watched it. I don't normally watch it. I haven't watched it for a while, but it was the first one back. Margot Robbie was going to be on it. Uh, Alec Baldwin was going to be there as Trump for the debate. Uh, the opening monologue about the debate was funny as hell. Um, but the thing that got me, and I got confirmation from my buddy Sam at GameStop. I went in there, and he's like, did you see that? I'm like, yeah. Um, the new weekend update was a pair of guys, black guy and a white guy, and they were talking about different things. And uh, the the one gentleman dropped an N-bomb on live TV, and it was not bleeped out, and it was not, like, nobody gasped or anything like that, but it was a full-fledged N-bomb. And... Mm. Apparently, according to Sam, the internet was talking about it that night, but then the next day there was nothing about it. I don't know if there's going to be fallout from that, but it was blatant. So that was very interesting for me. Just like watching along and I'm like, whoa, did I just hear that? And I rewound it and I'm like, I just heard that. No sensor bleeping or anything. Dang. Yeah. I'm pretty surprised about that. And then that didn't, and then it didn't erupt. Yeah. The controversy. Yeah. I was quite surprised. All right. Well, I guess fair enough. Fair, fair enough. So the blacklist. Yeah. Essentially to me, like, these were two episodes that would have been really good to watch back to back. They were. I did that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, basically, you know, we, we pick up in the first episode where the last one left off. Um, Elizabeth has been taken. And Tom has been taken, and now Raymond's going to try everything in his power to find them. Because Liam Neeson's not available. Correct. Correct. And I don't know. I, arguably, Red might be a bigger badass. <laughs> I don't think he's as good as a fighter. Right. But he's more menacing. True. And he has that. more resources. So basically, the whole episode is about Kirk taking Elizabeth and then this other hired guy taking Agnes and, and Tom, and then they're going to kill Tom, but then, of course, Tom gets away, and then they get Agnes back, and then they lose Agnes, and then Elizabeth is taken away, and, yeah. kind of felt like a shell game, didn't it? It really did, yes. Like, they kept mixing it up and like, oh, Tom's getting away. Now he's not getting away. Now the cop's going to stop their car. Oh, but the cop gets killed. Oh, and here's yep. Agnes. Nope, Agnes is over here. Where's Agnes? Follow Agnes. Where's yep. the ball? Yeah. Oh, and then the team finds out, the FBI team finds out that Elizabeth is alive, and they all have to deal with that in their own way, and and some still want to help her, and others don't. And, and Navabi's like, nope, she dug her own hole. F her. Yep. Yeah, basically, yeah, that's exactly how she was. And then, you know, there's the quiet tension between Red and his cleaner, mm. because she betrayed him. Yep. And he spends a good portion of that first episode kind of ignoring her. And... and- Almost juvenilely, because like she'd be yeah. like, I could put together a team, and he'd be like, Tembe, go put together a team. 
we need a team. Exactly. And then, you know, the first episode ends with Red's got the baby, and then they get hit by a car, and he loses the baby, and now because we know that's it. not overused. Exactly. And then Liz, Liz is taken away in an airplane, and Tom has gotten free. That it is one of those tropes that I'm really getting tired of because it seems to be happening constantly. Is the everything seems fine? I'm just driving along, and oh my god, out of nowhere, a truck hits me and destroys my car, but they walk away fine and take my baby or kill me or something. Right. Yeah. It's overused massively. So one thing that happened in the second episode I didn't expect was Elizabeth crashing the plane into the water. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was my yeah. first note. I'm like, I well. I, I didn't see her shooting the pilot and then crashing the plane and then saving Kirk from dying, which the only reason why she did is because he knows where Agnes is. Right. Allegedly. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, this whole episode is still, we need to get back Agnes. We need to get back Elizabeth. We know where Elizabeth is because Tom brutally tortured a guy. Yeah, it was off camera, but, I mean, I cringed a little bit. I don't know about tortured a guy. It was off camera, yes, but jeez, I'm crying. Yeah, because he was under the knife. He was getting lap band surgery or something, and they made him get woken up from it, kicked all the doctors out, and then Tom's just, like, grabbing devices and being like, I wonder what this does. Yeah. And it just felt brutal. Yeah, it definitely was, it definitely was brutal. Um. But so it's kind of interesting, though, because he she brings Liz to the, the Summer Palace. Yes. I, I liked that it wasn't the Summer House. It was the Summer Palace. Even the live-in servant was like, oh, yes, the Summer Palace. My mother worked here at the Summer Palace, and I work at the Summer Palace. And... But she starts to remember the mm -hmm. place. Yeah. Remember her room there. Remember, and then she has clearly has a memory with her mother speaking Russian where they buried something, and then she digs it up. The time machine. Yes, yes. So she's just like, wait a second, this... Right, because remember she told her dad, she's like, I remember the fire, I remember shooting my father, and he's like, your memories are faulty. Yeah. Red has filled your head. But Red didn't fill her head. She nope. remembered those before she met Red. Exactly, and then she clearly remembers the things she did with her, with, with her mother. So to her, okay, this house really is maybe where I was brought up. Yep. And Or you know where I was with my mother. I do have memories of being at this house with my mother. But he was never in there. So all it did was establish that, yeah, that is Elizabeth's mom. Not we still they still haven't officially established who her dad is. Right. And then of course right as she's having these memories and thinking, Okay, something's starting to come, the house gets raided. Yeah, here comes the FBI to save her yep. and a curse. Of course, Kirk gets away with the baby. Well, he's gone and Agnes is gone. We don't know that he has the baby, but it's a yeah, he has the baby. Well, maybe Raymond does, who knows? I doubt it. I doubt it, but yeah. it, Tom and Tom and Elizabeth are together in some weird building. Like it's an industrial warehouse with a fake house in the middle of it's it. Like, yeah, yeah. Like they walk That's through true. the warehouse and it's big and empty, except for she sees like a baby room in front of her. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It and, looks and like a soundstage kind of thing. Yeah, and then even the, her bodyguard, I guess, whatever you want to call him, the guy that works for Red that usually is protecting her, is like, "Oh, you're home now. This is yeah. your home." And then Red leaves, and, Ooh. well, I didn't see that coming at all either. Yeah, that was probably the best payoff out of all of these episodes. That was the part that I, I'm, like, on the edge of my seat going, no, this is not, no, yeah. no, come on. 
Yeah. And, and he did it. his speech, you know, about how, what was it, like 500 some odd acres and it was all controlled by the government except for one James acre. James Spader's delivery is amazing, isn't <laughs> it? It is. It is. And he just talks about how he purchased this one acre, this one diamond in the rough in the Sea of Emeralds and how it's perfect and this is exactly where somebody could have a pristine life and you always said you wanted a pristine life away from everything on a perfect little patch of land. And she's even like, you know, I know. I know all of your secrets. I know all of your weaknesses, all of your vulnerabilities. You're telling me I know too much. And he's like, well, this is where you always said you could retire. Boom. Oh, yeah. Guns are down, and, and then, then just walks her. away. Yep, and then her hand moves. Yep. So does Red have a new enemy? I hope so. Because you think so? He's so untouchable at this point. Like uh, there was one line that I actually wrote down, and uh, hold on, where is it? Oh, well, the CIA, their informant down there. And yep. the director's talking to that CIA woman, and he's like, you know, yeah, Elizabeth's alive, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, we need to talk to this guy down there. And she's like, oh, well, uh, we could try to. And he goes, no, Reddington says that you know him and says this and this. My God, is there anything this man doesn't know? And it's true. Like, yep. everybody who gives him information, he's already five steps ahead. Yep. He already and knows she even, everything. She made the con- – and that, that same agent made the comment about, basically, I can't wait for the day when we're out from underneath his thumb. Yep. Yep. Essentially is what she said. I, that wasn't those words, but it was the same gist. So I could see this uh, this season kind of ramping up towards now there's going to be basically an army of jilted blacklisters, etc., who are going to take on Reddington. And it could include some of the FBI and Liz. Yep. You know, she wants her daughter back. This guy has her daughter. Red has been a thorn in her side, etc., I guess we'll know in next week if if next week's episode's uh, business as usual or right right or what yeah so we'll see yeah Whew. that's a lot um, I will say I did watch the Magnificent Seven oh that's right I, we I we had, I had watched that the week before and we were going to hold off until you'd seen it so yeah. what did you think I thought it was great I thought it was a great flick too. I thought it was highly enjoyable. Um, yes. A lot of predictable beats. Uh, Haley Bennett, the, the lead actress, looks like she could be Jennifer Lawrence's doppelganger. Yeah, right? <laughs> really disturbing. Um, but it was surprising to me that I'll just say the minority characters were not all killed off. It was kind of surprising to me because that seems to be a typical thing. But ultimately, well, I don't know. The Magnificent Seven was basically constructed of minority characters, and Chris Pine, Chris Pratt. I mean, Chris Pratt. Yeah, sorry, but I mean, like pretty much everyone else on the team was. Well, Ethan Hawke wasn't, and Chris Pratt wasn't, but everybody yeah. in the other five were all right. Right. We had a Mexican, a Chinese guy, a black guy, two white guys. Uh, there's seven. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio was a white guy. Oh, that's true. He was. He was a mountain man type guy. And then... <laughs> with the most ridiculous voice. When he yeah. walked on the screen with that lumbering, 
carcass of his and yeah. the furs all around him and he looked like a bear and they even commented on like so, there's a bear yeah. wearing people clothes and yeah, then exactly. he has that voice like this and he's like they took my property and I'm entitled under the law and God to take my property oh my god I lost my yeah, shit yeah right I wasn't the expecting theater. that voice to come out of that yeah I agree with you 100% on that yeah. it was awesome yeah. <laughs> oh and the Indian an Indian yes yes yeah. Who I I literally called it at one point. I was like, I leaned over to the person that I was there with, and I'm like, I bet we're gonna see Indian versus Indian. Oh, oh there it is. But you know what surprised me about it? How short the fight was. Yeah, and short. I and thought final. it'd be a longer knockdown dragout fight than it was. Yes, with the bad guy coming back afterwards because you know he wasn't really dead. Nope, it was very. Although final. he was profoundly killed <laughs> and. Easily defeated. Yes. <laughs> yes. After being called a traitor or, or a betrayer or whatever. It was a great movie, though. It really it was. was. A movie. I'd act, I would watch that again. I would, too. It was highly enjoyable. I, it did not replace Tombstone as my all-time favorite Western. No. But it's now second place, I'd say. I, I think my all-time favorite Western still has to be A Million Ways to Die in the West, but, you know. It's not a western, but yeah, it sure is a western. You can't tell me otherwise. <laughs> it has gunfighters. It has you know death, right. um, prostitution, <laughs> gross prostitution. Uh, they had a preview last night. I don't know if you saw it. Um, the fifth. <laughs> yes, I'm saying this. The fifth Pirates of the Caribbean movie is coming out. I saw that trailer got released, and I just nope, not doing I it. I watched it. It's a teaser. Uh, yeah. Javier Bardem is the new dad. Yeah. I saw one of the things like, check out what Javier Bardem looks like in Dead Man's Chest or whatever it is called. He looks like Javier Bardem, which is a anamorphic person who you can't really nail down what his face looks like. That's true. And uh, I actually saw a preview on Hulu the other day. I was looking for a show, and they were like, check out – I thought it said check out the first episode now, but it said check out the first trailer now. So I was a little disappointed. But it's a Hulu original coming on October 19th. It's called Chance. Have you hmm. seen this? I don't it, think so. It's Hugh Laurie, so immediately I'm like, oh, cool. Yes, 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 I did, a forensic actually. neuropsychologist. Yes. And they didn't really <laughs> tell much other than that. He has a British accent in this one. Yeah, and it's got Ethan Supley looking like a beast. Like, yes. Ethan Supley has played the fat guy, and Ethan Supley yes. has played the skinny fat guy, and yeah. now he has a <laughs> neck as thick around as my torso. Yep. He, he looks like he's going for a kingpin kind of look to him, and he seems like a mean guy. And Gretchen Maul, who we haven't seen in forever. And, uh, Life on Mars. Uh, yeah. That was the last thing I could think show. of. Yep. Uh, but it looks like she's playing some kind of sex pot that he ends up with, but he shouldn't be with. And Oh, nice. It looks like an interesting show. Uh, yeah. I'm curious about it. So I'll be checking that out around I've October 19th. I've seen a blip about it, but you've definitely seen more than I have. But I saw like a blip about it. So Basically, I booted up Hulu, and it was right there in the beginning, so check out the first trailer. So you oh, can check cool. it out there if you want. I will. Yeah. But I think that's about it for me for this week. I'm gonna have to call that a podcast. I like to I like to get my head to the pillow. Yeah, yeah. Well, we certainly had a lot to unpack this week, and I think we did a pretty yes. good job of doing that. I think so. It's definitely a long episode, folks. So thanks for thanks for listening to the whole two over oh geez, almost two and a half hours. And if you skip through parts of it, it's okay. We're not gonna judge you. I will hold it against you forever. 
Well, you're you're a more vindictive person than I am, so. If I ever find out, which I probably won't because <laughs> no one's going to blatantly tell me this is what happened. No. <laughs> <laughs> now they will. Somebody's going to go on Twitter and they're going to be like, hey, Mike, I skipped through like three hours of your two and a half hour podcast. And you're going to be like, that doesn't even make sense. How yeah, is that even mathematically sense. possible? It's not. It's that, that, and that's that's just hurtful. Exactly. That you're means you listened to, to so little of it that you sat and listened to nothing for an extra <laughs> half an hour. <laughs> they're just trying to be hurtful to you. It's crazy. Cool. Well, hey, thanks for listening. Um, you can find us on the Twitter and on the Facebook and and whatnot. The show is at What Did You Watch, and on the Twitter and on Facebook, it's What Did You Watch This Week. And I'm uh, I'm on the Twitter at Superstar Mel, and I'm the Quantum Geek G33K. And yeah, so we'll talk to you next week, where we clearly will have probably. At the very least, two less shows we'll be talking about. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> My schedule just got lighter. Exactly. All right, take care. <laughs> See you later, guys.